does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Shotgun snap. Watson hands off the Ford. Big run. He's got a first down at Moore. He's at the 50, the 40. He's at the 30 of the Colts. The 20, the 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Third and seven. Three receivers for the Colts. Bunch to the right side. We've got a man got him. off sides for the Browns. Flags are down. Free play for the Colts. They throw it downfield. It's caught by Indianapolis. Just down. Scooty down the near sideline. 10, 5. Watson clapping for the ball, just gets it off. Noah Flag is out. Watson rolls out to the right side, throws downfield, and it's picked off by the Colts as they go tumbling out of bounds with Julian Blackman. Minshew goes out of the gun to the quarterback, and he's going to take off and run it himself. He's at the 10, angling left five, touchdown, Gardner Minshew. Miles Garrett gets the strip sack, and the Browns have recovered in plus territory. Walker motions out. They're going to direct snap it to Hunt. They do. He goes right up the gut. He has hit. And he falls forward into the end zone for a touchdown. First and goal at the four-yard line for the Colts. Again, it's Minshew left side. And he makes one man miss. Dives upfield across the goal line. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Shotgun snap. Rushed out left. Oh. Throws the ball. And it is. Garrett. Garrett again. Available for the taking in the end zone on a strip sack. We've got a fumble. It's recovered by the Browns. Shotgun snap. They give it to Taylor. Right side. Angling into the end zone. Touchdown. I- for the first time in 2023, it's Jonathan Taylor finding the end zone. Minshew looking over the defense, four on the play clock. Takes a snap. RPO fires it upfield. Caught over the middle. Michael Pittman Jr. There he goes. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. Slips out of a tackle. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. Michael Pittman Jr. Takes it 75 yards to the it's all or nothing right here. They got Shelby Harrison as the fullback. Hunt is the tailback. Fourth and goal at the one. They give it to Hunt. Hunt looking, trying to get in the end zone, and he crosses the plane for a touchdown. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Six more on the board for the Browns. They lead it now. Oh. 39-38. It stings. There's no doubt about it. Uh, everyone's, you know, frustrated when games happen like that, but I think this is what builds character in your football team. Things just ain't the same for gangsters. Times is changing. Young is aging. All right, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. You know what it is. It's KB and Andy. Thanks for waking up with us. It's the wake up call here on the fan. We got you for the next three hours, and you heard the sadness in Maytay's voice as Kareem Hunt crosses the finish line, crosses the end zone. Uh, what an absolute day on Sunday in Lucas Oil, a game we had pegged. What did you have, KB? 1913? I think I had 1916. I called it we... the puberty bowl oh. for a bit there. It looked like the Medicare bowl. Yeah, First a... <laughs> one to reach Medicare age. I was wondering what you were going to say. The retirement bowl Gosh. almost at one point. A game that, uh, boy, I tell you, we did not have pegged was going to be the offensive output. The Colts offensively able to do some things. Turnovers, officiating, bad luck. Miles Garrett, throw it all into a pot and you get a, cl- uh, a close heartbreaking loss. Good morning 
morning to you. Good morning to Mark Dykton, who is back from D.C. and then Florida. Oh, hello. It sounds like he was just in a car driving pretty much for the entire past seven days Uh, or so. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Hey, Mark. Oh, good goodness. to be back. Good How to you see doing? you, Mark. Great work there, as always. You turned, on on the, our... turned on the TV and saw Miles Garrett ruining everything. On our Monday intro, uh, although he's probably happy. Well, I don't know if he's happy about the Bears winning or not, but nonetheless, yeah, maybe, maybe they found their quarterback yeah, in a D2 fully tatted yeah. chess man there. <laughs> Caleb Williams, who? <laughs> Under center. Uh, yesterday was one of the wildest Colts games I've ever seen. Um, some of the stats seem to back it up. I saw that uh, first time in four years in the NFL you've had a game uh, with Eight lead changes. Eight lead changes yesterday. You had three touchdowns of over 50 yards. You had three field goals over 50 yards. A fourth from 60 was blocked. Miles Garrett, one of the greatest individual plays you'll ever see. And really, uh, him specifically, Andy, I thought one of the finest performances I've ever seen against the Colts uh, in, in the dozen years I've covered the team. And and what a wild gut-wrenching week for Colts fans. Like, that's what I kept on coming back to, trying to decompress from yesterday and last night. You know, a week ago, you lose in Jacksonville again, and it's such a shot to your divisional hopes. And then as the week plays out, Anthony Richardson's season is officially over. And then you lose Grover Stewart (laughs) for a month and a half. And in between that, you know, you see Jacksonville win on Thursday night. So there's another kind of nail in that divisional coffin. And then yesterday, and we touched on a Friday of – what a monumental game for wild card hopes and try of these next four, which are all winnable. This is the one you need the most. And what a crazy, crazy game. The back and forth nature to it. One of the finest offensive performances you'll ever see from the Colts, considering the opponent. And obviously a, a really poor whistle late in that game that we will touch on as well. I, I just a hell of a week. A hell of a week with so much kicking the you-know-what for Colts fans. Uh, and boy, I, I, I'm shaking my head at what we watched yesterday because it was so just unscripted, Hollywood-like. It was unexpected. It's not yeah, the, it's unexpected not, is it's probably not, the best way to put outside it. Outside of Miles Garrett being a star, there's not too many things. And Jonathan Taylor getting more run and starting to look like the JT that everyone around here is used to. So many things that happened in that game were not supposed to happen in a game that was the Puberty Bowl, that was 16-13, that was 19-16, that was going to be a game where the over-under was what, KB? We we walked out of here Friday, it was 39 and a half, was it not? Wasn't that the over-under? When, I mean, it doesn't matter if it was 40, 40 and a half. Yeah, I mean, the, you guys understand it was 39 and a half when we walked out of here. The overhead just over the two-minute warning of the first half it's yesterday just, in that game. And, you know, if you want to look at Shane Steichen, Andy, again, uh, well, one of his we have to. finest offensive hours. I know. And I think we'll look back on this performance years down the road and say that was you leave the Colts through for or had 450 yards and 38 points against that Browns historic defense. And then I thought one of the worst game management situations you'll ever see from a head coach to end the first half. If that was the end of the game, people would be absolutely roasting Shane Steichen for how that first half played out there. Just absolutely terrible by him from a game management standpoint. We'll get to that. And certainly the two calls late. And we probably should just go right there, Andy, because uh, that's how the game uh, theoretically ended, more or less. Obviously, the fourth and goal from Kareem Hunt was the game clincher there. But If I want to boil it down to those two calls, the illegal contact from Daryl Baker Jr. on the third and four, which took away the EJ Speed um, strip that would have ended the game, and then on the very next play, he gets called for defensive pass interference. Um, If you want my simple answer, I think the illegal contact was probably the right call. I think the defensive pass interference was certainly the wrong 
call. To me, that is beyond uncatchable. Uh, the officiating crew should come together and pick up that flag. So that becomes second and goal from whatever it was, the nine-yard line, I want to say, instead of the first and goal from the one-yard line. I did think Amari Cooper's double move on the third and four got Daryl Baker out of position, and that forced the impediment slash he kind of grabs and wraps Cooper as Cooper breaks to the outside. To me, I thought that was the correct call. I did not think the pass interference at all on the very next play was the right call. I, I love to be opposite than you, but I'm not. I, I Listen, I understood. Here's the way I would put it. The first call, I understood. Was it weak? Was it ticky-tacky? Sure. Was it probably, and this is what the broadcast was saying, Archuleta and those guys, was it probably the right call? Yes, it was. Was it weak as hell? Yes. We can all say that. It was absolutely weak. Um, I think the way that the two kind of came together and you saw Baker's arms go out and then you kind of saw a little bit of a uh, of a head nod flail from Amari Cooper. You know, a ref who may not be seeing that as clearly as the 19,000 replays that every Colts fan has seen probably sees that. And what do they do with muscle memory, KB? They throw the flag, right? And so I, that's why the first one I did not like, but I was able to be understanding to what was going on there. The second one was a complete bad call. It was a complete blown call. That's just what it was. Does it ultimately end the game? Does it not end the game? There's another play. They still have chances. Yes, we can go down that road, but the ball was thrown not to be catchable. It was a throwaway out the back of the damn end zone. It was a bad call. It almost hit Blue. It was a um, <laughs> it was yeah. outside the end zone. Like, blue, come on, man. And, and I've gone back and watched that play You know, probably a dozen times now, Andy. There wasn't even as much it was probably more arm holding than anything from Daryl Baker Jr. on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Right. It's not like he had a two hands full oh. of jersey there on that play. But again, that is where I think as an officiating crew, if you are that official in that area, you probably aren't cognizant of where the ball is being thrown. You're very much locked into Peoples-Jones and Baker Jr. on that play. Well, that is where the head official or whoever else is not necessarily near that play, when the ball is thrown, come together as an officiating crew and realize, guys, that almost hit four security guards. That almost hit the the tunnel area. <laughs> pick up this flag. We, you, I mean, hell, didn't they pick up a couple flags at different points there late in that fourth quarter? And I, I, I kind of then get away from that sequence, Andy, and think to myself, both things can be true. The Colts got a very poor whistle late in that game. Honestly, in a way, I felt like it was the opposite of the Baltimore game. Remember the Baltimore Mm -hmm. game? They got a pretty favorable whistle with no EJ speed penalty on Zay Flowers, no face mask penalty on Quiddy Pay there late. And they also shouldn't allow Phillip Walker and the Browns to go Mm. six plays and 65 yards to get into the red zone to where those calls become a huge, huge deal. I mean, I don't know who was worse, Watson or Walker yesterday. And in the game's most critical moment, with the chance to slam the door shut, before you got into put the game in the hands of the officials, if you want to label it that, you let a third-string quarterback that woke up Sunday morning, didn't take any reps Thursday, Friday, woke up Sunday morning down as a starter, wasn't even on the Browns team at the start of this month, and he drove 
six plays and 65 yards, whatever it was, to get to that 13-yard line where the penalty yeah, it was started a tw- to happen. It was a 12-play drive. Ultimately, it's a 12-play, 80-yard drive. Yeah, for, for me, you know... You mentioned it, and listen, we have a lot of things we'll get to today. 239-1070, if you want to jump in, it's going to be a full reaction Monday here on The Fan. I Just for me, the entire craziness of the game, KB, combined with the high scoring, combined with it being a close game, doesn't mean we, we need to forget uh, and make murky, I guess, some of the mistakes that this team had. Does that make sense? Given that it was a close game at the end, it's easy, and I understand, to focus on the officiating, which was absolute BS at the end of the game. But let's not forget what you just mentioned. It was at the very top of my list. Let's not forget that P.J. Walker had to go 80 yards on you, right? Like, let's not forget that that is something 12 plays, 80 yards, in a little over two minutes to go win the game. I, I, I just... I mean, that's a tough one to swallow. And then, you know, Miles Garrett just being an absolute man-child in that first half wrecked everything, and it changed everything. And then for me, you mentioned it. I know people want to focus on officiating. At the end of that half... Uh, I mean, the Colts should have what led 21-17 going into the locker room there. Um, and, instead, it's 27, was it 27-21? Is that what it is? Uh, going into, what was it going into halftime? 27-21. Yeah, 27-21. 20, yeah, Hopkins kicked that 54-yarder. I, I mean, it, it just, the free 10 points there, yeah. the third down where the Browns no longer have timeouts and they're licking their chops and you can see they're sending the house and you send Gardner Minshew to throw row to not even run clock there and what is killer about the turn and we got to get to the turnovers Minshew is not who I mean listen you have said look at the back of the baseball card for a guy like Gardner Minshew and the last two outings he he period stop has not been that he has not been that and it's affected this team and I know Garrett is an absolute man child uh, and I know Steichen put him in some spots that are not the best but the reality is that he's turned the ball over seven times and what did you put in your article 37 points yeah, I think, I think so. something mm-hmm. like that over those seven turnovers the last two games and after the game Steichen exactly the numbers I gave you on Friday when they turn the ball over they lose when they don't turn the ball over the Colts win and you turn the ball over and you know what it did it set up drives where 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 uh cleveland had to do nothing where they had to run three or four plays kb and then kick a 50-yard field goal like you gave them free points uh and uh that that's a tough one i mean there were you shot yourself in the foot miles garrett was fantastic some questionable coaching and then some terrible officiating and your defense allowing pj walker go 80 yards in two minutes to win the game uh it was all a kick in the you know what from the ar stuff from the jacksonville loss from the grover stewart i thought hey this is this has been a bad week the Colts are going to get a nice little cherry on top to this turd sunday that they've kind of had to endure the last week and it ultimately didn't happen Uh, And the Browns are lucky. Listen, last thing for me, the Browns are lucky that they're winning games in the defense and Garrett and Miles uh, or uh, Jim Schwartz and everything else. Because, I mean, what the money they have put into that quarterback position, Deshaun Watson stinks. That guy's done. (laughs) That guy is finished. And, you know, if I'm That was a bummer for the Colts. He went out of the game. I I totally agree. I mean, did you see the first pass he had was three yards yards and at the the feet of a wide receiver. uh, That guy's a shell 
of the player that he used to be. And P.J. Walker is thrown for 200 yards and a pick and can lead a team to a touchdown. Just a heartbreaker on Sunday. Just It's one of those where it's like, damn, can't we have anything nice? That's how that one felt on Sunday. Yeah, it was just such a wild, wild game. And, and like I said, to go through the week that the Colts you know, fan base had to go through, just absolutely excruciating. A loss like that and such a demoralizing one when you think about you know, wild card standings, AFC standings, you know, playoff potential, you know, things like that. This is the one that mattered more than New Orleans coming up on Sunday or at Carolina a week from Sunday, those sorts of games. So tons and tons to get into as Andy laid out there. Certainly we'll talk more about the officiating with those final two calls. Uh, we'll look at Shane Steichen. He wears two pretty big hats on game day. One would be the play caller. One would be the game manager. I thought one outstanding, the other one. Absolutely awful. Uh, Miles Garrett, certainly with one of the greatest games you're going to see inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, Inability to close. Should the defense have some blame on them for that final drive before it got into some of the officiating questionable calls there late? We'll touch on all of it, and we'll do it here on this Monday morning. Thank you for tuning in. It is the Wake Up Call. Mark Dykton is back. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, Morning Checkdown obviously continuing to react. Browns winners 39-38. Quite the game in Lucas Oil. Just a couple things I wanted to get to with Shane Steichen that we talked about there in segment number one. And obviously we'll keep talking about uh, as we go. Those first half miscues, Steichen did talk about that post game. Mark's still <laughs> I'm, ba- I'm back after 10 days. Hold on a second. Jesus. Right there. Uh, there we go. And Matt uh, to kick that long field goal there. Obviously, Miles Garrett jumped over, made a hell of a play, uh, backed up. Uh, that's on me. Uh, tried to help, you know, and he broke a double team and made a play. So I got to be better in both situations. Yeah. One thing we How didn't even talk thing work one, th- one thing we didn't even talk about was uh, the whole, you know, playing for the field goal after the holding call KB and then throwing a screen pass. that lost five more yards. Yeah. My <laughs> issues late half, cause I didn't want to get to those. They are a little bit different than okay. the field goal call, which I know kind of differs from sure. some fans there. Uh, quickly as well. Shane Steichen on miles. Garrett Garrett played one of the better games, one of the better halves you'll ever see at Lucas oil. Yeah. There are certain times, obviously, um, you know, calling the game there with him in the game, certain things you got to be smart with when he's in the game. Um, obviously, the backed up call um, again, try to get aggressive there. You know, got seven points, they got seven points off that. So, again, that's on me. Yeah, just a terrible, terrible sequence there from Steichen. All right, other things week seven in the NFL. Last night we saw the Eagles beat the Dolphins in what was a marquee Sunday night matchup there. How about the Ravens over the Lions? Just absolutely spanking Dan Are the Dolphins Campbell. front runners. 38-6. They, uh, they beat a bunch of bad teams. They played the yeah. uh, the Eagles and the Bills, and they've lost both of those games decisively. Not sure if I'm ready to go there yet. Yeah. Still a little banged up. I would up. agree. Um, how about your Giants getting a hey, W? Hey, how about that? 14-7. to <laughs> That was the That was one that was never on red zone, that, I feel that, like. No, it was A, it was never on red zone, and B, I said I didn't know which was the toilet bowl game, and I think we said it was who? It was Vegas and somebody. Maybe the it was the Broncos and Packers. Raiders, By the way, Bears, right? the Packers stink, Mark. That should yes, make you do. feel good. There's a chance. There's a chance that the that the Browns and Packers have a very similar win loss total at the end of the year. I know the Browns <laughs> being four and two with their quarterback play is just astonishing. Patriots upset the Bills yesterday. Yeah, good I don't for them. Know if Colts fans are thrilled 
about that. And tonight we'll get the 49ers at Minnesota. Seven-point favorite San Francisco. Sounds like Christian McCaffrey will give it a go, but a little bit banged up besides that. That is our Monday night matchup. I think I'm going to go with the Vikings plus the seven there. Is that okay? Gosh, is that is that okay if I do that? Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> love take I, I don't love taking the 49ers minus seven with how banged up they are. It's but I lot. don't know if I like what you're doing either. Yeah, I might just stay away. You from just that. stay away. Can we from just it. bet on game seven. Yeah, instead? can we just do that? We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, the big news is a couple things in Bloomington. Indiana losers again, 31-14. The game was tied. What at 14? I was uh, what 17-14 at halftime. All Rutgers in the second half. So Indiana now two and five on the year. And just to clean up things in Bloomington. After my man Gucci Mane was in town, Mackenzie Mbako, the five-star freshman arrested on a couple misdemeanors. He wouldn't leave a Taco Bell parking lot, KB. You know, if you don't get arrested during homecoming at IU, are you really an IU student? Uh, did he name drop himself? I hate to I hate to smile. That story I deliver with a smile, even though I know it's very serious. I think the cops had to bust out his window and, and drag him out. Say there's drag him some out college car. towns when the five star freshman hey, what are we doing know, here? gets in a Taco Bell drive thru, they say, Open this thing back up. Get Come this, on get now. Get this man a chalupa. He's yeah. a five star, don't you know? Didn't sound like the most polite interaction between Mbako <laughs> no. and some of the Taco no. Bell employees nor the uh, police department there no. in Bloomington. Maybe they ran out of like five dollars craving boxes or something. He will miss one half of an exhibition game. Well, I was curious, too, if Tom (laughs) Allen did the arrest just to kind of get the news items away from him, maybe. Like, Tom Allen was a part of it. They're not worth talking about. Maybe a citizen's arrest We shouldn't even even involve involve IU football in the morning checkdowns anymore. Uh, Looking ahead, Pacers opening night coming up on Wednesday. Rick Carlisle going to join us tomorrow at 8 a.m. So the NBA season gets underway this week. It'll be the Pacers and Wizards from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And again, tonight, it is Game 7 on the airwaves. The road teams and the ALCS continue to win. Six games, all from road teams. It sounds like it'll be Max Scherzer on the road for the Rangers <laughs> against Christian Javier it's a gamble, for the Astros. Man. That's a pretty good, that's like a pretty juicy Game 7 pitching matchup. Sometimes you get to Game 7, it's like, yeah, we got bullpen game. bullpen mode here. Yeah, but Scherzer's been bad, man. Right. I, I, yeah, I mean, got, like, name recognition yeah, yeah, more yeah. than anything. He's got to be on a short leash, right? I mean, if it's second inning, he's got a couple guys on you, pull him out of the game. We'll see if Scherzer can dial one up tonight. And Game 6, the Phillies try to clinch. That is a 5.07 first pitch back in Philadelphia. Kyle Schwarber once again doing Kyle Schwarber things in Game 5. Phillies up 3-2 over Arizona. All right, on the other side, 317-239-1070. Tons to get to from an officiating standpoint, from a great Shane Sykin offensive performance. What about the game management? Uh, And the closing late. How much should the defense reserve, deserve some blame for what happened on that final game-winning drive by the Browns? We'll take your calls, 317-239-1070. Give our thoughts as well. Thank you for tuning in. It is the way- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wake up call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.
hear from you last uh, yesterday. I would say the debacle. I don't know. Just a, just a heartbreaker. Just a punch to the gut after a rough week. Uh, the Grover Stewart news. The Anthony Richardson news. Seeing Jacksonville play as well as they have and losing to them. And then you come home in a game that absolutely may matter for playoffs. And the Browns do that. 39-38, your final there. So we'll take some phone calls and we'll keep moving through this morning. We'll give you some Shane Steichen, some Gardner Minshew sound as well. Now, if I'm not mistaken, can, can we can we promote this? Mark says we have a Pacer guest just at the very end of the show. There's a surprise. Do you guys know what this is? Am I the only one who sits here yeah, not I, knowing? I, well, <laughs> I don't want to downplay the surprise, okay. but I wouldn't hype it up too, okay. too much. Well, yeah, you asked if it was okay. Taylor Swift, and I'm like, uh, yeah, temper I those was joking. Yeah, when oh, you yeah. text us saying, is Taylor Swift coming opening yeah, night? Obviously. Like, the it, it the is, place she would be the Pacers Wizards on a Wednesday. It is a nice event coming later today <laughs> okay. for the Pacers and their fans. Well, there you go. At 9.50, we'll talk about that on the way out. Uh, until then, it's all about reacting to the game yesterday. I guess for you, we talked about this during the break. What are the two or three bullet points, I guess, that bother you leaving yeah. Sunday? And i got to be honest, ours are probably similar, given that everyone's yelling about the refs, yelling about the end of the first half, the defense, whatever it may be. Yeah, we can get back to the officiating, Miles Garrett, you know, turnover mania, not Minshew mania. Turnover mania is kind of how it's been here the last two weeks. But I want to focus on the end of the first half because I thought it was um, I thought it was Shane Steichen's worst hour as a game manager, if you will. You know, when you're Shane Steichen, you have elected to wear two hats, two very important hats on game day. One of them is play caller. Obviously, and the other one is how you handle the game, how you, you know, timeouts, uh, challenges, uh, when to go for it, when not to go for it, you know, field goal, touchdown decisions, those sorts of things. It's a lot. It's a lot on his plate. And honestly, through the first six games, Andy, I think he's done a really nice job with all of it, really. Um, and, And what I think is so difficult to grasp from yesterday is he was so good as a play caller. I mean, that offensive blueprint, the game plan of more pre-snap motion to try to create advantages, a little bit more tempo, the balance you found, again, continuing to get Taylor in space. Um, I thought it was probably the best day collectively you've gotten from your receivers this season. It was much needed because your tight ends were really quiet without Kylan Granson. But if you would have told me at the start of the day, you'd be looking at a Colts offense with 38 points and 450 yards of total offense against that defense. I mean, Shane Steichen offensively, brilliant yesterday. So I want to make that clear, Andy. But having said that, the other hat that he wears, I thought he cost this team, I would say it's fair to say 10 points at the end of the first half. And for those that you know didn't focus too too much on the end of the first half. Uh, you fe- you have a second and fifteen, Andy, with a minute fifty to go. Gardner Minshew had just been sacked on first down. Now you are in the shadow of your own goal line. There, I think that play was from the five or six yard line. I believe that that uh, second down snap. And in that situation, Cleveland had just taken a timeout. You're at your own six yard line, and there on the second and fifteen, let's live in reality. It's a backup quarterback. Miles Garrett's already wrecked the game once. Uh, you, by calling a pass play, you bring in an incompletion into play, which could stop the clock. You bring in a sack into play, which would be catastrophic and lead to, obviously, automatic points for Cleveland. Yeah, holding call, anything. Or yeah. a penalty in the end zone, which would, obviously, like you just said, lead to a safety there in that instance. And what happens? Um, 
you have two of probably your most inexperienced offensive players in charge of Miles Garrett on that play. Your backup quarterback, should he feel Miles Garrett coming at him from in front of him because Garrett came off that right side off of uh, Blake Freeland and Drew Ogletree? Yes, but you still brought a lot of risk into a second and 15 play from your own six yard line. The result, you play with fire, Miles Garrett's going to burn you. It's a strip sack, it's a touchdown right there. All right, so that is brutal. That is an awful seven point swing right there uh, when in reality you run it um, or get the ball out very, very quickly if you're going to throw it and not take some you know longer developing pass play there. And so that was brutal by Steichen. Well, Andy, what happens on the very next drive? You get into a third and 13. And at this point, now Cleveland is out of timeout. Yeah, this one bothers me more than even the strip sack. So let's yeah. live in reality again. It is a third and 13. What's the game flow here? And I think it's important to remember the Colts get the ball to start the third quarter. This was not some you're down 10 and you feel like you need to steal a possession here late in the first half, try to score because you don't get it to start the third quarter. And I think at this point of the game, we also can realize Cleveland's offense is not going to be dialing up a bunch of 80-yard drives, whether it's Watson or it's P.J. Walker. And in that instance, on a third and 13, you dial up a pass. Now, would you like for your backup quarterback to be able to complete it and you know, continue to bleed clock? Sure. But again, you run risk in that scenario with Cleveland having zero timeouts. It's an incompletion. Minshew had to dirt a screen. It gets blown up very quickly. That stops the clock with zero timeouts for Cleveland. So instead of 40 seconds bleeding off that clock, it stops right there at a minute 26. What does Cleveland do? They get into field goal range. I want to say that spike occurred like 12 seconds to go. Nine seconds to go. Okay, nine seconds to go. It was nine seconds, yep. So uh, my math would say 40 seconds would have done a lot to hurt their chances of getting into 54-yard. It's not like it was a chip shot by Dustin Hopkins. 54 yards from Dustin Hopkins there at the end of the half. This is is what matters so much in the NFL. So much in one-score games, Andy. These decisions by your coaches. You've got to factor in personnel. You've got to look at the scoreboard. Understand where you are at in terms of where you're at on the field. Second and 15 from your own six. Third and 13 when your opponent has no timeouts. Absolutely awful from Shane Steichen. Game manager hat. Not offensive play caller. I want to separate the two. I don't want you know people to walk away from this saying, oh, you know, Kevin Bowen thought Shane Steichen was terrible. He was not terrible on Sunday. He was brilliant offensively. But in this situation, live till halftime. You get the ball to start the third quarter. The risk is way too much in both of those sequences. And I thought you really handed Cleveland 10 points there in a game that you lost by one. Plus, you're able to move the ball, right? You, I mean, this is not one of those 16-13 games. Maybe, and that's what we thought it was, that's what we thought it was going to be. You know what makes this game a little bit difficult, Kevin, KB? You know what makes it a, a little bit difficult is Steichen had a fantastic game plan. And his offense pantsed the Cleveland Browns outside of Miles Garrett himself ruining the game in, a, in a, with a couple different instances, right? I, I mean, that's the thing. So when people hear, well, Steichen didn't do this or that, 
there are two hats. And KB, you're exactly right. And that's what's so frustrating about Minshew, right? Like, I have people, buddies, that aren't following this closely. And they look at the stat line of Gardner Minshew, and you're watching the Red Zone channel, and he's doing the shimmy while he's doing re- <laughs> while they're doing read options with Gardner Minshew. And Jonathan Taylor is starting to look like the JT you're used to. And Pittman has a long touchdown. And hell, uh, Josh Downs is great. I mean, Josh Downs is, what, three straight games now? Yeah, Downs where is Downs, a season vet. Yeah, where Downs is looking like a damn good pick. You get him in the third round. That's a really, really good selection by Ballard and Reggie Wayne and everybody. Alec Pierce even had a couple plays. Had the big play down the left sideline, going for a jump ball. That's exactly why he is on the field. And I thought, you know, he's holding his shoulder against Jacksonville. I'm thinking he's going to miss some time, and he doesn't. So surrounded, uh, and given that it's a close game, and you've been told all week by us that, hey, in five games, the Browns have allowed 1,002 yards. And you hear, well, they don't, you know, they just beat you up. They don't They don't get a lot of, you know, they don't get a lot of turnovers, right? And obviously, we saw what happened Sunday. And so all of these, all of these good things did happen on Sunday, but it cannot mask. And I think Steichen is a perfect example of this, is he had a great game. Game plan. He was dialed in. They had an offensive winning game plan, but the end of that half was so bad. I, I just and I'll I'll even go back to where they get the penalty and he's playing for the field goal. And I think uh, so. I can't. Re- I apologize. I think Nate Atkins wrote about this more in the in the Star over the weekend. But if you're gonna play for a field goal, there are you talking run, about the Matt Gay sixty yeah, yard? Yeah, run Jonathan Taylor up the middle for three. You know, run Zach Moss up the middle for three or four yards instead of you know throwing a tight end screen pass. And listen, they get nothing from these tight ends off. I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't know if Jelani Woods, if he were healthy, if that would change things or not. And then going to the strip sack in the end zone, you know, maybe Steichen thought, listen, I got to rely on my lineman, and he had a tight end there. Unfortunately, Miles Garrett just walked by both of them. <laughs> you know, he thought, hey, I got some help here. And then the other thing, and this is, listen, and again, Minshew, we talked about Steichen. Minshew has put up numbers, which has, which can make the analysis a little bit murky. His carelessness, and now whether Steichen puts him in a bad spot, whether it's simply Miles Garrett being a monster, whether whether it's a oh who is it uh, Denzel? Help me here, Denzel uh, Ward. Yeah, Denzel Ward who makes uh you know kind of fools, kind of gets beat, then kind of fools Minshew and comes back and steps in front of Pittman, and that's a difficult interception. I, I just he seven turnovers for a team, any team fits into this mold, but especially one like the Colts, kind of a middle of the road team that is not going to have the margin for error. Seven turnovers the last two games, 37 points, and so often on, it just, you gave Cleveland freebies. They would get a turnover and they would have to do nothing to kick a field goal. They get the strip sack. They have to do nothing to get seven points. And it's like, and then at the end when when you need, when they actually have to do something, you allow them to go 80 yards in two minutes and 12 plays and the defense, absolutely. You asked the question last segment, does the defense bear burden? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do. When they allow a big play on the third play of the game, on a third and two, I know Stewart's not there. And then the combination of letting P.J. Walker uh, go 80 yards. It's just uh, just that combined with, to me, 
the freebies that Cleveland got, the touchdown, the multiple field goals where they didn't have to do four plays, zero yards, they got to kick a field goal and get a free. And, and you know, Hopkins is a is a kicker and can boom it over 50 yards in the dome and everything else. But um, just I, this game, perhaps the way you started the Rams game and then not guarding Puka Nakua in overtime, man, those are just two games that punch you right in the gut in Lucas Oil. The very well, literally one play. Different. I mean, one play. We're talking about. We're talking about two more wins on this Colts team. Yeah, and, and just to put a bow tie on the Steichen game management, there, I'm not overly worried about it moving forward, Andy, because he's been pretty good in those situations throughout the first five or six games. But you know, you follow the NFL as a whole. This can be a question mark for coaches, especially you know ones that take on play calling and game manager, because you don't necessarily have that person in your headset saying, "Are you sure you want to throw it here? Are you sure you want to throw it here?" And if you do, you're the one that makes the more money. Than they make, and, and, and you are the one that maybe not, you know, might not fully trust those people there in that situation. You know, Minshew, there was a lot of good from him yesterday too. I, I know, man. I, I, I know. I, this is the problem. You know, maybe we shouldn't even acknowledge that, but I'm like, how do you ignore? I mean, he did quarterback an offense that led you to 450 yards and helped, you know, have what 38 points and. The little wheel route to Taylor early in the game. Such a great throw and catch to Taylor. You know, he hits Pittman in stride there for the 75-yard touchdown. That is an on-target, in-stride throw. Does Pittman do the rest? Yes. But if that ball, Andy, is one or two inches too far ahead or too far behind, Pittman does not have the momentum to turn that into a 75-yard you know, catch and run. And by the way, I have no idea why Pittman was um, flagged for unsportsmanlike. I'm like, doesn't Tyreek Hill do that on every single touchdown that he that he seemingly has? Um, but I, I thought Minshew, you know, a little bit of a dual threat nature at times, kind of taking what the defense gave him from a run game standpoint. Um, what I like, too, about the, the, the couple of free plays we've talked about, the Josh Downs touchdown, and then uh, it was a third down. Both of them were third downs. He had the third down uh, pass to Alec Pierce there. How many times do you see quarterbacks get a free play and they don't throw it downfield? Minshew saw the flags come mm-hmm. out. You know, great recognition of that. Heave it, and, and he and, and chucked it downfield. And you know, Downs has the touchdown, and Pierce makes the other big play. So it's just was last week the anomaly. And I remember saying, okay, I don't. I think it's the anomaly. But can we get through Cleveland before I commit to that? Right. Because I wasn't sure if we'd see it on Sunday. <laughs> you said and, give them one more week. And, I believe and, yes. And, you know, part of me is like, man, you know, just ball security in the pocket. That's really been the one issue for him. It's not so much the interceptions. I know Denzel Ward made a great play, really, on that interception. But the ball security in the pocket, that has been an issue. If you do want to look at the back of Minshew's baseball card, that's one where I probably should be a little bit more critical and acknowledging of he has had some fumble problems in his career. And I think it's a combination of the recognition and then just when you st- when you have that innate ability as a quarterback, when you start to feel that pocket muddy and get crowded, two hands on the ball immediately, and you've got to make sure that if you take that sack, that ball is not coming out. And obviously, both of those plays, you were up 14-7 when the first strip sack occurred, you know, the last play or the last drive of the game, I'm not really going to go there. But then when you're in the end zone like that, Yes, should should Shane Steichen not put you in that situation? Certainly. But you also have got to be more cognizant of it there. Here's Minshew after the game talking about what KB's talking about, all the turnovers. I don't know, but I'm about to try to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? That's like uh, we were already having conversations in the locker room just about trying to drill that and work that more. Um, 
because that's not something I want to be a part of us um, and something that can't be a part of our game. I do want to go back, Andy, to the officiating because um, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier about the two calls, and you and I seem to be on the same page here. Again, you had an illegal contact on a third and four on the final drive of the game, uh, and then the defensive pass interference on the play right after. To me, and I think you agree with this, the defensive pass interference was a very poor call. Um, to me, that ball was nowhere near being catchable. Uh, that flag should have been picked up. That should be one of those moments where you're, whatever it is, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight-person officiating crew should get together and realize, hey, guys, did you see where the ball landed? It hit the mascot. Literally. If they did beer sales in the fourth <laughs> quarter, it would have hit James the Beer Man. Like It hit the couple that proposed uh, before the game, which <laughs> exactly. I saw. Yeah, pick up the flag there and help out the official who is probably just locked in on Daryl Baker and Donovan Peoples-Jones and doesn't maybe see where Philip Walker's errant pass landed in that situation. The illegal contact, though, I've gone back, and I just went back and watched it during the break. You're torturing yourself. You go back, because some people believe that Amari Cooper initiated the contact with Daryl Baker Jr., and therefore they want to they call it offensive pass interference. If you watch, it is a double move by Cooper. And as soon as he plants to go back outside, Daryl Baker Jr. is off balance. Mm-hmm. And when you see him off balance, yeah, and he Andy, falls, yeah. he takes that left arm and he sticks that left arm out. And what that does is now Cooper is running the double move. And here I am trying to mimic it on the... Go to, go to the YouTube. The, stand the, up. Stand up. On the YouTube channel here. <laughs> and all of a sudden, as Cooper runs, he, of course, hits that left right. arm because Baker Jr. is trying to impede him and saying, oh, bleep, I'm beat here. What what can I do? And at that point, that's when Cooper tries to disengage the arm. So that's where you get into a little bit of hand fighting. And Baker compounds it by then taking his right arm and trying to wrap him from behind. Behind, if you will. So I know we're getting super probably technical into this play, but again, I've seen some people disagree with you and I believing that it was illegal contact. When I saw that from Baker, when you're beat, you start to grab. That's what I see on the double move there. To me, with Philip Walker still in the pocket, which is a big part of that being illegal contact, with Walker still in the pocket there, I think that's why it was the right call. Yeah, that one I'm I'm accepting of. The second one I'm not. The second one I'm not. It just the ball was thrown into the stands almost. It was never. I mean, it was a throwaway. You bailed out the Browns there, and I did not agree with that. And then this is just whining, and you know, I'm sure that Colts fans. I'm sure KB, you could line up examples if we went back where the Colts, whether it be on offense or defense, have have got the love. Have kind of got the love from this. And I forget which game it was. It was one of the four o'clock games. But Kenny Moore even retweeted. He's like, "I did the same thing, and they ruled my they ruled my interception incomplete." But you get you get you get Kenny Moore, and you get Buckner with the interception. I thought if the ball didn't move. I- you could no, go to the ground. No well, one has, am I wrong no, on that? No one has any idea. That, that's the point to this is it's so inconsistent throughout the league. And I'm fine. Listen, I'm all good. I know this sounds like sour grapes. I'm all good with us slowing it down and looking at each blade of grass. And, and it matters if if these are a catch or not. Right? Like that stuff matters. If you're inbounds, if you're out of bounds, let's use the technology to get it right. But... I, I just looking at a play and did the ground cause it? You're holding it, but it but it shifted in your hands. It, it just I don't know, man. Yeah, and, it's, and, to me, it's rough. You know, Kevin just followed up, and obviously, I looked at this yesterday. Sending me the NFL rule on illegal contact beyond the five yard rule, saying 
uh, Cooper initiated contact. To me, when Baker sticks out the left arm, Andy, that is the initiation of the of the contact. Because if you watch the whole play, and I mean, slow it down. You can see as soon as Cooper plants to go outside, Baker now is off balance. Baker is beat. He's not expecting that double move. So that's when the left arm, if you watch the replay, it goes out. If it doesn't go out there, then you're good. But that is when the left arm goes out. Now that is in front of Cooper, and that is when you see, obviously, Cooper trying to disengage, and then you see the right arm uh, come in for the um, for, for the wrap. So I thought that play was the right call. I thought the pass interference was awful as a whole, though. Should the defense have closed off that drive before Phillip Walker got to your red zone? That's a debate we can get into on the other side. 317-239-1070. Take your calls and your reactions next. Colts lose an absolutely excruciating... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 139-38. All right, 8 o'clock hour, hanging out with you. DriveHuber.com studios. We'll get to some calls here momentarily, 239-1070. Now, we need to decide as a show. We're not going to take a call for a minute because we believe donuts have been left for us. Yeah, donuts uh, is greater than callers. We will get to some callers. <laughs> is but that correct? Yeah, shout out to Aaron Thank you. on that. Because donuts in our bellies, greater than taking your call. At least for right now, right? That's an okay thing to say. Well, to we just all need admit donuts. on the air. We all need donuts <laughs> after what we just witnessed yesterday. Absolutely excruciating Ugh. on so, so many levels. And something we have not touched on just yet, Andy, but you really hope the injury to Juju Brents is not too long for many reasons. Obviously, you want no one to get hurt. You certainly don't want you know one of your second-round picks who I thought had some pretty good moments here early in his NFL career and obviously you felt the domino effect of on that final drive I to me it was pretty clear that Cleveland decided guys we can't do anything let's just throw at Daryl Baker Jr. and if you go back to the third and ten that started the drive that was over to Baker's side I thought that was decent zone coverage I thought the safety help should have been better in that situation but um, I think what you're going to start to see from teams if Juju Brents is out is you know, let's pepper Daryl Baker Jr. He got benched for a reason, guys. Let's go after him and kind of prove that he can hold up for, you know, whatever, 60, 70 snaps. And right now, your cornerback depth is being tested, and you're feeling the inexperience of that group. So, uh, we talked about injuries. We've talked about officiating. We talked about Steichen, the good, the bad, Minshew, the turnovers, no doubt the bad. Uh, all the 400-plus yards, though, against that Browns defense. Can I just throw one other positive? We were talking about this during the break. It's worth throwing out there. Even though that it's been a gut wrenching week plus now, seven eight days for Colts fans, I thought you saw started to see the shiftiness, and I thought you started to see a comfortable Jonathan Taylor on oh, on Sunday. He yeah. he was in there for forty five of the seventy snaps. Moss was in there for thirty five. So you kind of see what that balance has been over the last couple weeks, and how it grew a little bit uh, against Cleveland. Taylor getting more run, and Taylor officially got the start, right? I mean, yep. so that's a big deal as well. 21 touches for Taylor, 19 for Moss. 
Uh, I thought it was a good compliment back and forth, KB. There was never a time where they ran Moss and I was like, damn, if they would have had JT in there, it, it would have been a, a, you know, he would have went to the house. It would have been more yardage uh, on, on the flip side. You know, I thought JT, he had a couple plays. I even think of, you know, I just think of there, there was a play early in the game where he got four yards, and I'm like, a normal running back gets a yard there. And there's like two, three yards there that are hidden yards. Uh, and I thought he was much shiftier. Uh, obviously, he got into the end zone. I thought it was a good balance. And I listen, I think you're going to start seeing this. Nothing against Moss. I just think you're going to start seeing more of, uh, more of Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think that's crazy to say. Uh, they brought him along slowly, but I thought, I thought the training wheels were for the most part against Cleveland on Sunday. Yeah, I really thought he looked like his old self um, and impacting in the pass and the run game, which is you know what you want to see from him. He can certainly be a weapon when he's split out. Um, you know, he, he caught kind of like a slant play. He caught a little wheel route as well. Took a big hit on that wheel route. Made a nice catch early in the game. That was a good throw by Gardner Minshew. Boy, that's a big hit. You um, know that hit's coming, too. I know. Yeah. yeah. You're Jonathan Taylor. You know was you've only safety. played, you know, two games you, in about a year. You know you're about ready to get popped. Yeah. That was a great play by Taylor. So, yeah, I, I thought, you know, and you were talking about encouraging signs now moving forward. Again, you're not going to face a defense like this. You just put up a terrific offensive day. And Jonathan Taylor, to me, is starting to get back to what he looks like in his prime. So I think that, to me, is an unquestionably encouraging sign. Um, I also want to give a hat tip to Kenny Moore. Um, I thought Moore had a really, really playmaking type of day. And boy, do you need him so badly right now with the youth in the secondary. Um, you know, A couple of big blitzing sacks from Kenny Moore. Once again, he blows up a screen. I don't know why teams continue to throw towards his side on plays like that. He plays so much bigger than 5'9", and whatever he is listed at, 185, 190 pounds on that end. I did feel, I know the stats might not indicate it at the end of the game, Andy, but I did think it was fitting in a way. You look at the 69-yard touchdown by Jerome Ford on the third play of the mm-hmm. game, and you look at the fourth and goal from the one-yard line to end the game. Yeah. No Grover Stewart. Yeah. And, and, Especially and the third and two. Especially that one for me. you watch the third and two, go back and look at that play. What does Cleveland do? They take their two guards, and they put them both on the defensive tackles, DeForest Buckner and Taven Bryan. You know, Buckner is not as much of a run guy as Stewart is. Buckner's a little bit more of a pass rush guy than he is. So you seal off Buckner with one guard, you seal off Taven Bryan, who is absolutely invisible, with the other guard. And we talked about the trickle-down effect with not having Stewart. Does it mean that DeForest Buckner goes from great to good? Does it mean that Zaire Franklin now gets covered up a few times and go back and watch the play. The center for Cleveland is able to get to the second level. The donuts are here, by the way. Oh, thank you. Oh. What do we got here? Well, Jack's Donuts, let's go. Let's Thanks. see. Shout out to Aaron. Oh, our thank listener. you, Aaron. Absolutely outstanding. You're far too nice. There. Look at those. Good. <laughs> Absolutely glorious. Looks like calories right there. That's what it looks like. A little, uh, little afternoon run for KB after this. No one. better way to start a Monday than, than that. Um, if you watch that play, that center gets to Franklin. And so now all of a sudden you've got your defensive tackles that are engaged. You've got Franklin who's engaged. And Andy, Jerome Ford would have scored if it was two-hand touch. 
I mean, that was 69 yards untouched right up the middle. And then obviously at the end, when Cleveland loads it up with all their big dudes in the game on that fourth, they were just waiting to get to fourth and goal. <laughs> well, they're like, we're not going to lose a P.J. Walker throwing some crap pass. <laughs> well, and I understood <laughs> what Kevin Stefanski was doing right. there. He knows if you run it on second or third down and you don't get in, that pile's going to be too much to unscramble sure. to run another That's play. what happened to the Giants a couple weeks ago. It's a Brian it's a Brian Dable effect. You know that full well. <laughs> yeah, did they? I, I saw some people kind of gruff. Uh, I, I, I think Greg Doyle even wrote about this in the star like the thought that he didn't get into the end zone there I, I thought Kareem Hunt got into the end zone I, I oh, thought really? it was, I thought it was I, yeah I thought it was relatively clear yeah I thought yeah. it was clear I, I didn't think was it close yes but I mean the tip of the ball is on the white line pretty immediately and his knee wasn't down so I mean Kareem Hunt I don't to me that's not a storyline I know the Colts had had him in for some workouts and he got a couple short yardage touchdowns I mean he wasn't great yeah. in the game to me it's not yeah, yeah, to something. me it's not something that resonates but you know kind of while <laughs> the Colts fans have been crapped on it is a guy you had at least you know in the building he gets a couple touchdowns and Kareem Hunt hasn't done anything and what Ford got injured in that game if I'm not mistaken was yeah, the third he had quarter. To leave. yeah he yeah. had to leave there in the second half um one more thing to add on Grover Stewart if you look at Eric Johnson and Taven Bryan who was replacing Stewart again Taven Bryan played 19 snaps Andy did not record a single statistic in the game uh Eric Johnson played 31 snaps and he had a half tackle and Johnson also got hurt late in that game so the replacements are Grover Stewart uh little to no production and then the one guy that played a little bit more, and the one guy that did have a half tackle, he got hurt. And he's your second round pick, or he's your uh, fifth round pick in his second year, you know, from two drafts ago. So that's one that you were thinking, okay, maybe this is the guy that kind of like Grover. He's from a small school. He's a day three pick. It's going to take him a couple years to truly show out. That is the other injury that occurred yesterday. Uh, issues for you, because I just got this question here from. Uh, Daniel, uh, yes, the officiating was awful at the end, but when the Colts went prevent D on that last drive, the D line didn't come close to getting home. It's been that way for a couple of years. Uh, your thoughts on the final drive defense from the Colts? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was. I don't know. I guess I didn't feel like. By the way, which one you going with? Which donut you going with? I'm assessing them. Oh my goodness! Yeah, make a pick. I want to get over there. Are those cookies and cream? Is that what that is? That's what I'm having. You want one of those? You're going there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that looks pretty good. You guys I look know. like you're about to lady I, I, and tramp one of the donuts. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. Again, Outstanding. Thank again, you. Aaron. I don't know if that's a musty reference. That's where they have a spaghetti and uh, each end of each other's mouths and they meet in the middle. Uh-huh. That's what Mark's talking about. Uh-huh. I, yes. I, I guess I didn't feel that way. I think every ba- fan base may feel that way. I just think it was probably a little bend but don't break. It was also just for me really disappointing that that's, that's not been the, the MO for the Browns had been create havoc and get freebie points, whether it be the strip sack for Garrett, whether it be the touchdown you think of the long play, obviously, with Ford, the first possession of the game. That's not it, but it's been big play, or it had been have the Colts mess up, have our defense do something, and then we get some freebie points after it. T- to me, I guess I didn't feel that way. Maybe I need to go back and watch it again. I think that was just overshadowed with the officiating and getting down to the very last play of the game. Regardless, you let a team go 80 yards to win the game. Well, I, I it, mean, that's just all it is. And I remember, you know, when they took over, they they took over at their own 20 with about two. Um, what is it here? 2:35 to go. I said to Mike Chapel, I'm like, there is no way Philip Walker is going to do this, right? I mean, what did he say? 
he was like, I, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, like, Philip Walker and Deshaun Watson, it's an argument who looked worse yesterday. I think ultimately Watson leaving was probably the best thing for the Browns. And I think Kevin Stefanski, if you gave him some true serum, he would say that. And probably a big reason why they decided to keep him out. Um, But on that drive, before you get into any sort of officiating question, the the first officiating question occurred at the Indy 13-yard line, okay? So if if my math is correct on this, they drove 67 yards, Andy, before you get into any sort of officiating questions. The big plays, of course, Walker hits Elijah Moore on that 30-yarder down the sideline. And then, Andy, there's 219 to go right after that 30-yarder. This is the new trend that you see in these two-minute situations. In the two-minute situations now, you see these teams that the play right before the two-minute warning, they always run it. These teams know the clock's going to stop. So they say, let's catch you off guard with the run. Well, Pierre Strong, their third-string running back, he he goes for 13 13 yards yards, right after the Elijah Moore. So now they give the two-minute warning. The clock stops. They're at your 37. Two plays later, Donovan Peoples-Jones is wide the you-know-what open over the middle of the field. I thought a defender had, I thought the Colts had 10 guys. I thought Lou Holtz was playing defense for the Colts there. I thought they had 10 guys on the field wide open. So those three plays, you know, you'd like to think you could have at least got them into more third downs before that, maybe even a fourth down, allowing P.J. Walker to go 67 yards on you before this is the defense that you want them to slam the door shut. And we're, we're, we are spoiled here. You know, Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney did that so, so often. But slamming the door shut. You know, what does Cleveland do when the Colts have the desperation chance there at the end? They slam the door shut. That's what you want to see more from the Colts. They didn't do it last year in losses to the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, the Commanders and Taylor Heineke. And yesterday, P.J. Walker did it to him. What a back-to-back. The, the Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, Taylor Heineke, weeks, right? uh, and the Last Commanders. Year. All right, I want to go to the phone lines, 239-1070. Last thing before we do that. Um, you, you mentioned Deshaun Watson. I would imagine sports talk radio in Cleveland would be crucifying this guy had P.J. Walker you know, come in the game and been an abject failure, right? If they would have lost that game. Their athletic writer, Jason Lloyd, wrote they need to go get Jacoby Brissett in all seriousness. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously Watson looks a little banged up slash doesn't look good, however you want to... to, Which roster is he on? ...to describe it. So the Commanders, okay, uh, trade deadline a week from Tuesday. This was a serious article. No. And I I guess I understand him. You know, obviously Brissett had been there, but he was like... You need an option. Their quarterback play is so bad right now, they need to go get... Yeah, like, to me, the Browns, they're not a real team just because you know, even if they make the postseason, they're not going to do anything because of that quarterback situation. But, you know, they leave the game and, you know, the TV broadcast was like, yeah, Stefanski's not putting him in because even though he's being cleared, right, the independent neurologist or whatever, even though he's being cleared, you know, he took a big hit and we're going to protect our quarterback. I mean, remember when Jay Cutler didn't play with a torn ACL in a playoff game? Yeah, remember how usually football fans and, you know, fans of the Browns would react to that? And then, yeah, I was watching TV, um, you know, right before we came on here. And they're like, did he injure his shoulder? And Stefanski's like, yeah, we don't know if he injured his shoulder again. <laughs> so He was like, cleared. If a $200 million man just sitting over there. What I heard and what I saw from the Browns was Deshaun Watson was yeah. cleared medically. He wasn't cleared from bad play. Yeah. 
And that's why they I, I, listen. Ended I, up. I, I think you're right. He must have. The only reason I thought he had a concussion is he had a big coat on. Did you see that over on the sideline? Like I know it was freezing. Was I, it really I, freezing in there? I know I'm soft, but it was free. <laughs> I mean, I went down there to do my TV hit before the game, and it was legitimately really cold. okay. Especially I was, in your What in are the we doing parts. here? Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I guess the fans are pumping beers and everything, right? Remember, who we had we had Josh Downs on the other week, and remember, didn't he say Sam Elgar had the hand warmers? Yeah, he had the hand warmers. Yeah, that's exactly line. it. Uh, Derek has yeah. been hanging in there for quite a while. Derek, good Monday morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Outstanding. How are you, ma'am? Uh, I'm hanging in there. Um, just just a couple of quick things that I noticed from yesterday. I, I mean, I have a, an F to play meter, and Miles Garrett got 100-plus on the F to play meter. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about the refs messing to everything. Uh, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think we lost that game. Uh, well before that. I'm not blaming it on the refs, even though they made a lot of bad calls. But that, that pass interference, yeah, it was over his head. I think I think uh, Baker Jr. did hold him. He held him, like, right at the logo, the NFL logo. But why don't they so, call pass interference? So they called pass interference. To me, if they would have called holding, Derek, that would have made more sense. But yeah, I, yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it should not have been a pass. It should not have been pass interference. It should have been a hold, if anything. Right, right. And, and again, to me, I just thought it was... It's just so weak, man. Uncatchable. It's just so weak to begin and, with. And one other thing, I was sitting... Um, uh, there were a lot of Bears, I mean, Browns fans around me. When Watson went out, I think they were kind of relieved that he went out. Oh, for and sure. And I was like, put him back in there so he can throw us more <laughs> interceptions. 1,000%. I, <laughs> I mean, Derek, as always, man, thank you. This is the contract that ruined the NFL. That, that ruined everything for, for owners was this crappy contract that they gave this mediocre quarterback. You know, I, I think we let off the show Friday. And it, I don't know, Andy, maybe you and I hadn't really talked about this topic before the show started. So I, I, I felt like I, I kind of caught you off guard with the question, but I said to you, if you're the Colts, would you rather face Deshaun Watson or P.J. Walker? Because I'm listening to Deshaun Watson talk last week, and he's saying, yeah, you know, concerns. First off, he has a tear in his rotator cuff. Second, it's like, yeah, I've got some concerns on just velocity outside the number throws. I'm like, if you're Gus Bradley, you got to be foaming at the mouth he about sure liked this guy. It. And he wasn't lying either. Oh, he was, if you saw him, he was telling the truth. He had no velocity whatsoever. It was a miracle he was even one of five in those first couple of series of work there. <laughs> we have not had a chance to get to this. I, well, I'll let you give your opinion on it first. Um, got a tweet here. What were your thoughts on going for the 60-yard field goal? Yesterday, I, I, it's to to me. Once you got the penalty there, it was. Does like, it matter? Like, it was towards the open roof, or uh, okay. was, was, was the window open, or just the roof? I thought it was just, just the, the roof, roof because I, when the windows open, isn't that's a huge deal? Like that's a celebration. That was towards the window yeah. there, <laughs> that, but that I becomes think the window was that closed. becomes one of the big game day stories if the vaunted window is going to be open at Lucas Oil. My biggest problem with that was, you know, once you got, what was it? Once you had, oh, I'm trying to think here. Once you had the holding call, it was a holding call, right? Once you had the holding call, to yeah, me. Yeah, Will Fries maybe, or Ryman. Yeah, the yeah two. to me, you're back at the 36-yard line. So it's a 53-yard field goal. And I guess like 53, 54, 55, don't you feel like that's kind of the max there that you feel good about? Anything over 53-ish, I start to get a little queasy. I'm watching Dustin Hopkins just I know, bang him and, in. And, and listen, Matt Gay certainly and, and has Matt the Gay's, Yeah, I, Matt Gay's very good. I guess my thing was they were just... 
this is second guessing. It's Monday morning quarterback. Was the play call there? Why don't you turn around? Why don't you hand it to Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss? And instead of the 36-yard line, now it's the 32-yard line, and it's a 49-yard field goal. Now, the flip side of that would be if it's a 49-yard field goal, if it's a 19-yard field goal, if it's a 79-yard field goal, Miles Garrett can still ruin that. I think that would be the flip side to it. But And how about Bubba I, I, Ventrone saving that for the Colts? Boy, uh, how about that? Garrett I, I, said that was a play that they, they don't have in every week, and Bubba Ventrone said to him this week, I think this is the time. What, that, the one where Garrett we, just... That, hops over everybody Miles on Garrett the line. Just does something that no NFL player can do. Yeah, I mean, listen, he was great in that first half, and, and I that, thought he was going to catch Matt Gay's field goal. It would have been maybe one of the greatest plays in NFL history, like the uh, the immaculate reception or something like that. I did not have that big of an issue with the sixty yard okay. attempt. I I go a little bit more to the end of half, and you know, I touched on it earlier about how I thought that was Shane Steichen. Uh, taking way too much risk in those situations and really gifting Cleveland. However you want to look at it. You, you could say three points. I, I could make an argument no, ten. It's, it's ten. Um, it's and, ten. And, and that was an absolute uh, just major, major miscue. Let's get to Ken. Ken's been hanging in there as well. Ken, good Monday morning to you. Hey, man. How are you guys doing? We're good, Ken. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say, and I hate saying this because I feel like it's loser talk, but with the caveat of... of, Uh Uh-oh. Are you going entertaining uh, loss? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I feel like if Anthony Richardson was in there and we saw that performance yesterday from a just copy-paste Anthony Richardson, that would be the perfect game for this season to sustain success for this program. I mean, you go from an offense that was miserable to watch last year to an offense that put up 450 yards with four turnovers. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. And then you go from, like, possibly fifth in the AFC to 11th. It's just time to start looking at that. Ken, it is hard to argue with a lot of that. They're too good of a team, KB, to just say ditch the season. Right? Right, but I, I think at the end of the year, this is something that on the Monday reactionary show to what just happened, I bet... 10% 10% of our audience wants to hear what Ken just said right there. Oh, like, I bet it's higher than that. Oh, uh, no, I would say less people want to hear about that was an entertaining loss. They're so pissed. Oh, I thought you were talking that, about the end of the season, the draft, and all that no, stuff. No, no, oh, no, yeah, no, people, no, no. people don't want to hear an entertaining like, loss. No. But again, I, I think Ken's overall thought is not that far fetched. And it's probably easier for me to say when I'm so numb to it that. It's hard for me to kind of, obviously, as like a Notre Dame fan, uh, I would laugh at a call like Ken, but he is kind of right. I mean, that was the entertaining loss. It's just no one wants to hear it in a week where Grover Stewart's out for six weeks and Anthony Richardson's season's over and you just lost to your uh, divisional rival, uh, I guess if you even want to call it a rivalry, the week prior. I mean, I guess the thing would be, has the objective changed? And I think to some people, with the quick start, it did. The win in Baltimore. How much did the last two weeks take well, so I, it, much it of the wind to, out of that well, sale? To, to me, I don't believe in Gardner Minshew. Uh, to, to me, he's going to turn the ball over. I, I no longer believe in Gardner Minshew taking care of the ball. Now, do I think he can go out and throw for you know damn near three hundred yards and a couple touchdowns? And you know they 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 made his feet be part of the offense, which I think was a change. Maybe I don't know if it's just this week or it's kind of what the defense gave him, or it's like hey, if we're going to do some of this you know fake handoffs and everything else, we need you to be able to run a little bit to keep the defense honest. Anthony Richardson would have, but I don't trust him. Keep 
keeping track, uh, taking care of the football anymore. I, That's just where I am. Ken, I, I, I feel like, and he pointed out some of the individual things Colts fans should be happy with. And I think there's a lot. I mean, again, the offensive performance yesterday, I am stunned. I mean, what an effort by Shane Sykin in what he was able to dial up and the play calling that he had to get you to 450 yards and 38 points against that defense. I think at 3-4 and four right now, is that kind of in the general ballpark of where I thought they'd be at this point in the season? Yeah, it is. But undoubtedly, I feel like they've played better than I thought they would with that record. And I guess to Ken's point, the question now becomes, if you start to lose, Andy, maybe you aren't in the Marvin Harrison sweepstakes, because to your point, I don't see this team having no. a top no. three pick. But all They're going to win some games. The next three games, they could win two out of those. Easy. All easy. of a sudden, do you get the second or third selection at the top wideout off the board? Do you get the second or third choice at a pass rusher off the board? You know, how does that kind right. of differ? And you can look at all different drafts. You're right. I mean, Justin Jefferson is easily the best wide receiver out of his draft, and he wasn't the first wideout taken in that draft. I mean, you can point to various drafts where I would rather be the one having the choice of it and not the one having the board kind of dictated to me, so that's where you do get to April in the draft, and obviously what happened yesterday stings far less, but right now in the immediate aftermath, as much as Ken might have a point there, I don't think anyone, anyone wants to hear it. Do you want Keon Coleman from Florida State? He's right very now, good at football. Right now, that's the second guy. Uh, Malik Neighbors, LSU, you like him? Kind of explosive guy, yeah, right? Yeah, so there you go. A couple other guys. The other wide receiver from Ohio State? He did not play, is that right? Uh, I uh, Listen, I, I don't know. I had the under in that game, one of the only bets I won. By the way, your Notre Dame Fighting Irish at Pitt this weekend. Nice bye. So, for nice, the bi- Irish. nice bye week for Pat Narduzzi. Oof, Pitt. Uh, <laughs> all right, coming up here on the other side, we'll continue to get your fan reactions. 317 239 1070. What did you think about the officiating there late in the game? How costly was that? For the Colts, we'll hear your thoughts. Uh, join the conversation, uh, 317-239-1070, or on Twitter, at KBowen1070, at the only Sweeney. Before that, let's do a morning check. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Oh, here's stuff in my face. Uh, Jack's Donut's pretty good, man. Did you crush yours over there? Absolutely. I don't know what that was. It was great. Mark, would you go Miles Garrett-type effort with those Jackson. I don't know. It was a chocolate one that had some filling, and it was delicious. <laughs> oh, boy. We're animals in sports radio. We just grab one and throw it down our gullet. We eat it like a pelican. We just throw it right <laughs> down our throat. By the way, speaking of Marvin Harrison Jr., here's his last three games. You ready for this? On Saturday against Penn State, 11 catches, a buck 62 and a touchdown. Against Purdue, six catches, a buck uh, 105 and a touchdown. And against Maryland, eight for a buck 63 and a touchdown. Notre Dame held them in check. <laughs> they did. Three for 32. Too bad. Yeah, lost. so there you go. Uh, obviously, the Colts losers on Sunday. That's the big one we've been talking about. 39-38. I don't know. Other interesting scores. The Patriots over the Bills, 29-25. Buffalo now just 1-2 and two on the road, 4-3 and three overall. I'm not a believer in them. Uh, the Ravens, this was supposed to be the 1 o'clock game that everyone was going to watch. The Ravens is all over the Lions, 38-6. Uh, to six. That game was 28-0 at halftime. It was 35-0 at one point during the game. 
uh, as well. Uh, Mark's Broncos, or not Broncos, what? his Packers uh, lost. Go ahead and hit the sounder. Broncos winners there. Figured you would care about that. And then the big one last night, 31-17, Eagles over the Dolphins. And Week 7 concludes tonight. Niners at Vikings at 8-15. Early look ahead to Sunday. The Colts a one-point favorites over the 3-4 and four New Orleans Boy, Saints. Bad, Saints coming off that mini-buy. If anyone watched Thursday Night Football last week, Derek Carr Look pretty darn broken, especially through the first couple of quarters. Uh, all right, uh, we've got a Game 7 tonight in Major League Baseball, and you, you're going to hear that right on these airwaves. It is Astros and Rangers, and what a series it has been. The road team now has won all six games in this series, and it is a bit of a juicy starting pitcher matchup here in Game 7. I know Max Scherzer has certainly not been the Max Scherzer we're used to, but he sounds like we'll get the ball from the Rangers. Christian Javier for the Astros, who has been pretty darn impressive in his recent uh, playoff run here. So Astros and Rangers, Game 7 from Houston. A Game 6 in Philly. That is 5-0-7 first pitch. The Phillies trying to go for the clinch. Kyle Schwarber hit one. Did it go out of the stadium in Game (laughs) 5? Dude, he's a beast, man, isn't he? I mean, he's breaking all sorts of records. Good for him. Absolute stud, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, So the Phillies, they are up 3-2. They will go for the clinch at home tonight in Philly. Yeah, and just to wrap a couple things up in Bloomington, Tom Allen didn't want to announce his quarterback. It was Brendan Soresby. It's the only quarterback he played. 15 of 31, a buck 26. There you go. Good thing he, he kept that under uh, veil, so if Rutgers, you will. Correct me if I'm wrong. Rutgers won by three scores, yes. and they threw for 39 passing yards? 39. Gavin Wimsack, kid from Kentucky, by the way, 5 of 12, 39 yards, good for 3.3 per attempt. Now, Wimsack did have 16 carries, a buck 43 and three touchdowns, but... My, my, my IU football <laughs> rant is like, okay, Do you does need one? IU have the bad draw in the Big Ten East? Sure. Yes. Why can't they be Maryland? Why can't they be Rutgers in the Big Ten East? Well, also with you're all the- getting run off the field by Maryland and Rutgers at home. You've no. played Rutgers twice at home in the last three years, Andy. The combined scores of those games. Oh Lord, tell me, sixty-nine to seventeen. Oh. Rutgers football. Rutgers is sixty. They're six and two. Why can't Indiana be them? Sniff that, and, I, and that's where you get away from the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Okay, yeah. I understand that, but why can't you be, and even what Purdue was with Jeff Brom, why can't you be, and let's focus in the Big Ten East, get away from Purdue, why can't you be Maryland and Rutgers? Well, here's my thing. You have the Big Ten money, and then obviously you look at the basketball program, and there's some NIL to be had there in Bloomington, like we would agree with that. Look at TJD last year, and if you're a big-time player, I mean, I mean why can't they just go pay someone to be their quarterback? Well, no one <laughs> cares about IU football. Yeah, I know, but come on. Uh, uh, since the Glee Club show, remember the Glee Club <laughs> snapping we had post-game? Yeah. I know Mark, I think, had some audio they're, from that. They're winless. Um, they have been outscored 127 <laughs> to 38 since the Straight No Chaser show. New quarterback, new offensive coordinator, bye week. You had all the things that you needed. Uh, Just quickly as well, in Bloomington over the weekend, this is not going to get as much coverage here, obviously, because of the Colts. Mackenzie Mbako arrested on a couple different misdemeanors at like 3 a.m. He wouldn't leave a Taco Bell. Combative with the staff, wouldn't leave a Taco Bell. I guess he tried to name drop who he was. Uh, The cops came and I guess they had to drag him out of his car. So he'll miss one half of an exhibition game. Didn't they have to bash the passenger window open? Yeah, they yeah, that's exactly what they had. They they had to they had to drag him out. 
They use a baton, I guess, a baton. to break the window open. Maybe yep. they didn't have to bash it there. Yeah, I, I would say in most college towns, if you're the five-star basketball recruit, they just fire up the Taco Bell back open. Well, for you have you to you remember, come through the drive. Baker Mayfield. Remember, he tried to run from the cops, and they did a suplex on him. Remember, he tried, he tried to run. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say Baker had to run from the cops a lot in his college days. What was it, Gus Johnson? Remember when he did that with Chris Johnson? Uh, CJ2K of the Titans. Remember you said that he is running away from the cop speed? Remember this is like a decade ago. Remember he did that and everyone got really mad at Gus it's Johnson? It's a great line. That is honesty. a fantastic line. Come on. Maybe I've been there once yeah. in my life, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, what, Sunday, right, for Indiana and their first scrimmage? Yes. Uh, our exhibition game coming up at the <laughs> University of Indianapolis. Shout out to the fighting Paul Casaros. There you go. Uh, Paul going to join us here a little bit later in the week. Speaking of later in the week, Rick Carlisle tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Pacers open up their season Wednesday with the Wizards. We'll chat more about that with the Pacers head coach coming up on Tuesday. All right, on the other side, again, your reaction. 317-239-1070. What did you think about the officiating there? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We're late in that game. We'll hear from you coming up next. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on a beautiful Monday. 239-1070, going to take some calls coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll give you our goats of the week, our good goat of the week, our bad goat of the week, and I have bad goats lined up here. So if KB takes mine, Mark, if you take mine, don't worry. I have uh, reinforcements coming in uh, today. We'll take your calls. Uh, I should mention, just uh, you know, just because, uh, Query and Company coming up at noon, JMV at 3, the Colts Roundtable coming up tonight at 6 o'clock, and then ALCS Game 7 at 7.30 right here on The Fan. Uh, let's take some calls here this segment. 239-1070 if you want to jump in. Let's go to Ryan up first this segment. Ryan, good morning. How are you today? Yeah, hey, good morning. I'm doing great. I'm Ryan from Bluffton, up to south of uh, Fort Wayne. Yeah, question um, about the uh, the neutral zone call right before the half and we had the ball down. Backed up inside our 20. It was like third and 13. Uh, Mincy just threw the ball on the ground, but then they got together and realized there was, I think it was, well, I don't know who was in the neutral zone, but somebody from the Cleveland line was in the neutral zone. And it took them about 10, 15, 20 seconds to figure out that uh, it was a neutral zone infraction. It was an accepted penalty, but it went to fourth and eight instead of third and eight. Well, what was that deal? Well, I, I think, and by the way, Ryan, appreciate your call. Drew Emmel was a great golfer back in the day from Bluffton. That, that's my one <laughs> Bluffton connection here. You always have a nugget. I um, love your nuggets. I believe that was actually on the punt that you saw the neutral yeah, zone was, infraction It was fourth there. and 13. So, yeah, that was after the grounding, if you will. Not intentional grounding, but, but Gardner mentioned just throwing that screen pass into the ground on third and 13. So, yeah, fourth and 13 became fourth and eight on the punt and that's you know a sequence that we've talked about a lot on today's show of Shane Steichen the offensive play caller brilliant brilliant on Sunday Shane Steichen the game manager uh, to me absolutely awful particularly in that late first half if that was reversed Andy if that first half was the end of the game you know that is stuff that just head coaches get I mean if that was Frank Reich 
we would be undressing him Mm -hmm. for what he did there late and the amount of risk he put his team in. Uh, No acknowledgement, really, of chances to run the clock. That specific play that Ryan is addressing there, that third and 13, Cleveland had zero timeouts, Andy. So if the Colts simply run the ball, third and 13. It's the worst play of the game. So if you just run the football there, uh, let me do my math here. Uh, 130 on the clock, so that means 40 has to come off the clock. Plus the time time to punt the ball, right? which is five, six, seven seconds, depending. So let's just call it 50-ish seconds come off the clock there in that sequence. That's going to leave the Browns with, what is that, 40 seconds to go uh, in the first half? And again, that is with... Um, no timeouts for Cleveland. They needed uh, nine seconds was when the spike then occurred from Cleveland on the Dustin Hopkins 54-yard field goal. It's not like they waited and got down to the whatever the 18-yard line and then spiked it. They just got to field goal range with nine seconds to go there. If you had let that clock run in that sequence, there is no way Cleveland gets into Dustin Hopkins' field goal range there. And again, he boomed that home from 54 yards. In a way, Andy, I felt like this was the opposite of the Baltimore game for the Colts. They had the other kicker make all the field goals yeah. against them from really long, and Cleveland got the favorable <laughs> whistle late. Right. Like the Colts got the favorable right. whistle in Baltimore. What was it? EJ Speed who interfered with Zay Flowers, yeah, and it wasn't yeah, they, called. Like I mean, it was. Pay, face yeah, mask I mean, it, yeah, I mean, there were, there were a couple. Again, it giveth and it taketh away. We've been through it. The end of the game, uh, the first one on Amari Cooper, we both understand it. Uh, you know, listen, I can even accept it. Obviously, the second one, there's absolutely no way. 239-1070, James up next here on the fan, uh, hanging out with you on the wake-up call. What's going on, James? What's going on? You guys asked about the officiating, and so I, I just wondered the, what the what the spread was and, and uh, how many people had bet on the Colts to win that game, and if that had anything to do with that officiating. <laughs> I think the spread, I assume that's a serious two, question. It was two and a half, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it jumped maybe with Watson maybe like becoming the starter right around three, maybe even three and a half by uh, kickoff there. I don't know for what it's worth, if anyone cares. I, I do know one of the officials on the crew yesterday is an Indianapolis resident. Uh, should, you know, should the NFL... Uh, look into that a little bit more. I, I, yeah, again, I don't. This is a college football thing, uh, you know. Like, there's a guy, you know, like the Clem- like there's a guy who lives in Clemson, and Clemson somehow ends up winning the game. <laughs> Something right, like that. Yeah, I, yeah I don't think that's it. Yeah, I, I don't know if the back judge, you know, <laughs> was too cognizant of maybe what the line was in that instance. Uh-huh. Um, it's a staple of sports radio. The uh, wondering about the officiating sure. and, and, and if they had the minus three in the game. And I don't know why it is this way with officiating, Andy, but. <laughs> We aren't allowed to say there were multiple reasons for a loss. Like, it has to just be they cheated us. We got cheated. It can't be, did Philip Walker not drive seven plays in 65, 67 yards up to that point? Again, I think I've made it pretty clear. I thought the defensive pass interference penalty was an awful call. Um, To me, that is an uncatchable ball. It should have been second and goal from the eight-yard line in that instance. uh, I don't think Cleveland gets in from there, but who knows what what would have happened. But I thought the third and four legal contact, after watching it, a million times now, if you go back, Amari Cooper makes his double move. And as soon as Amari Cooper makes that double move, Daryl Baker Jr. is off balance and sticks out the left arm. And Andy, when he sticks out that left arm, yep. that 
impedes Amari Cooper. That starts the contact. Cooper then tries to brush the left arm off. Then Baker Jr. comes and, and, and wraps him from behind. That is a call that you do see. Now, should you see it in the final two minutes? That, I think, is a debate that a lot of people have. Um, but by the letter of the law, to me... That was the right call. The defensive pass interference, though, was not. Is it a weak call? Yeah. The, I would say the Colts had... I would say the play at the very end was a bad call. I, I think it's okay to say that. I don't think it was a 50-50 call. I think it was a bad call. You have eight people officiating the game. To me, it was a bad call. The The Colts still could have lost the game. Um, you know, I, I but but it put the ball... <laughs> it, it at least could have been holding, right? Half the distance. Uh, so there were several things there that happened. The second to last one, the one that you're talking about it's probably the right call it's just a weak call and then the Kenny Moore interception and the Buckner interception as well they're just weak calls I I don't know any other way to say it they might be the layer of the law maybe the ball did move a little bit it touched the ground it didn't touch the ground all that nonsense but uh, to me those three were just weak calls I can understand a couple of them the last one uh, at the end of the game I can't I just can't I just got a tweet here about the third and four, the illegal contact. Do you feel like the flag came in late? I think we all can agree on on that. Part of it is just the jubilation of the celebration with with Speed Force and the fumble. Buckner getting on that. But a call here was strip sack by Speed should have negated Baker's legal contact. If you go look at the timing of the contact... And the strip sack. Sure. Did you did you look at well, it? He that, was that close. He was in. He was in. Okay, so on TV they were explaining he was in the pocket. So given that he was Had in the, the pocket, fumble occurred yet? Uh, I, I I don't remember. I don't remember. Occurs, it was a ba- it was a bang bang. Yeah, it, it was it was a bang bang. Once 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 we got there, I just my, my guess. I don't know. EJ Speed came from kind of blitzing relatively far. I mean, not like that play took whatever eight seconds, but. It's I, just with the naked eye. To be fair, I, I I have not looked at the overhead shot or you know what exactly you would need to see from a replay standpoint to indicate that the two occurred at different times there, or I should say the illegal contact occurred after the fumble. Um, but I, I would guess that that still happened when Walker was in the pocket and had the ball, but that's just a guess. This is an NFL thing. It's not yesterday, and again, the Colts uh, will benefit at some point this season. They have benefited, whether it be this year, other years. My team has been, if you watch college, but it's more of an NFL thing. You Anytime there is a good defensive play, a 50-50 play, it's the reason the EJ speed on Zay Flowers in Baltimore is still one of the more shocking plays this season for me. You always get the bailout flag, man. You are, you're looking around. Are you not? You're always looking around. Oh, wow, where, looking around. where's the Darryl flag? Daryl Baker Jr. is looking well, around. Yeah, where's the flag? Where's the flag? And then they'll throw it super late. I mean, the flag is always coming in these instances, I feel. Again, it can help your team. On Sunday, it did not help the team. Okay, it thank just you. Didn't. Uh, Kyle for sending this to me. This is a screenshot of the play itself and how I am looking at it right now. Do you have it up over there? Yeah. Shot here. Let me see. So Baker, as you can see, is kind of on the on the right side of the play. To me, that the illegal contact occurs probably a split second before uh, yeah. this screen grab. Because yeah, I'd agree. I've gone back and watched it, and the, again, as soon as that left arm goes out. That is when the illegal contact occurs as Cooper's making the double move. Where this screenshot is taken, Phil Walker, by the way, still has the ball in his hands. He, he is getting ready to, yeah, he's to, getting hit. to fumble it. EJ Speed is already starting to hit him, but he still has control of the ball. At that point, 
Baker had already made already made that initial contact, and now it was just spilling out. Now the rest of the play was spilling out. So based off this, I mean, it's split-second stuff here, but I would say that it still occurred just before. Um, because, again, if you go back and watch it, uh, I see the Baker penalty happening right before that uh you want to take us to break here two three nine ten seventy on the other end you want to get into our goats of the week we still have some callers and obviously we're reacting all the way until 10 o'clock about this loss a tough one for the colts uh against cleveland on sunday it's right, a let's wrenching it. it is a beautiful monday that's about the only thing positive i guess exiting yesterday so we'll uh, get more reaction coming up on the other side it's the wake up call with kb and andy on 93.5 the fan who is the GOAT? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's the MVP! That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT. <laughs> this guy sucks. Of the week. Goat or Goat of the Week? We'll get to it here. I don't know which one. We we never decide who's going to go first. I kind of want Mark to go first. Put him on the spot. He's back from vacation. Driving the kids, driving the wife around for an entire week. I want to hear what he has to say about the the Saturday and Sunday that we're in football. Let's go. My my good... Tyson Bajan <laughs> stepping it up for an injured Justin Fields. How about that tattoo mark on his chest? I know. The oh, only incredible. Division II QB in the NFL. <laughs> he was really efficient in the Bears' 30-12 to win over the Raiders. 21 of 29 for 162 yards. A touchdown and 24 yards rushing. He managed the game, KB. The offense flowed, and I'm sure everyone in Chicago oh, will handle it perfectly normal. No one will overreact at all and have a debate of Bajan versus Fields. I had Foreman in two leagues. One of them stashed away in a 22-man league. How, he you, had himself a you, game. You bring him off the bench for three touchdowns kb that's what a good that's what a good, that's what a good coach does yeah thank yeah. well yeah patting yourself on your back here as fantasy owner uh how do you not go to miles garrett it, it's it, it's kind of it, i guess colts fans i i'm sure it stings but you know in the last what month andy you've watched two hall of fame defensive linemen show why they are hall of fame defensive linemen in that building and you know yesterday was not just a normal miles garrett game that was one i mean cleveland media is literally asking him after the game is that the greatest game you've ever played and him saying they're saying like you know he didn't say no to it like i mean he knows how special of a performance that was he did it to bernard ryan yep he did it to blake freeland yep he did it to your special to a, teams unit to a tight end if you ogletree if you break it down he single-handedly led to yeah. 14 points. Obviously, he has a strip that gets recovered in the end zone. That's a touchdown. Then he had that first strip, and it was 14-7. They punched that in. So there's 14 points. And then if you look at the field goal, he took one away, and then you got a field goal off of that. Yeah. So 20 points directly his plays led to incredible performance. Uh, it was as good as uh, you can be. I guess my positive goat of the week, and I hate saying this, man, I, I, I think it's the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles looked a step above the Dolphins last night. Did they not? I mean, to me, the Eagles dominated that game. Uh, if it weren't for a pick six, I think Jalen Hurts already eight interceptions. Only had like, what, six last year. Uh, so there might be something going on with him. But, I mean, you're up seven and Sirianni's going for it. If you ever wonder why Steichen might get some things uh, and you say, why is he doing this or that? Well, you, you saw Sirianni go for the tush push twice in his own side of the field. What they call him the, the brotherly shove. 
Is that the new thing? <laughs> 31-17, the final there. i got to go with the Eagles. I mean, uh, to me, they overtake. The Eagles might be the best team in the NFL right now. Mark Dykton, Ugh. your lowercase goats. The Buffalo Bills. Yes. I said it to start the show. They played down to their competition. They lost to an Aaron Rodgers-less Jets squad. It's a great way to describe them. They got manhandled the majority of the day against the awful Patriots. Got Bill Belichick his 300th career win. And I'm really curious to see how they handle the Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers on a short Thursday night game. Yeah, I'm going to go to a, a team you probably could throw in GOAT category every single week, but I'm going to go back to Indiana football. And you know, oh, Leave them alone. Katie. I talked about it earlier. Like, again, there is you know, not a confirmed rumor, but maybe Tom Allen was the one initiating the McKenzie and Baco arrest to try and get all the headlines off of him over the weekend. Obviously, I'm joking about that comment. Uh, why can't you be Maryland and Rutgers? I mean, you're getting blown off the field by Maryland and Rutgers and on your home turf, homecoming, on Saturday. And the thing, too, and I don't know, maybe this is more just like an eyesore. Andy, when I was in college in Bloomington, the Indiana football program did not have a good four-year run. That was Bill Lynch to Kevin Wilson. Mm. I don't want to act like for one second they won a bunch of games. But they at least were entertaining. They at least scored points. They're now boring as hell. Like, they're bad and they're boring. When a team beats you by three scores in Rutgers and the quarterback throws for 39 (laughs) passing yards. That's unbelievable. That tells you everything you need to know. So... Um, I'm gonna go with the Indiana. Football I mean, Tom Allen just plays. Do we have the snapping yes. audio, Mark? I don't yes. know if we have that one. I Since think, the Glee I Club snaps, <laughs> outscored 127 to 38. And again, that was over Akron, who someone a buddy of mine texted me earlier saying Akron lost to Bowling Green. Oh man, this past weekend is that the Bowling Green that's in Kentucky, or is that a Bowling Green that's somewhere else? I think I don't. I don't know. I'm just the asking. Corvette Museum. I think there's an there. <laughs> Bowling Green, there Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, here's my goat. Okay, so I could go many ways. I thought about going North Carolina football. Caleb Williams was bad. Ron Rivera is one of the worst coaches in the NFL. You know where I'm going? To a guy that I like. Sean McVay. The uh, spiked hair wonder. The young man. He's getting ready to be a father. Okay, Sean McVay. Did you see what happened at the end of that game? He was out of timeouts, He's right? He's out of timeouts. So it's right before the two-minute warning. And the 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 the, uh, the Steelers go for it on fourth down. And they don't get it. Like, it's clear that it's short. Yeah, awful. But, spot. but it's not with inside two minutes, so it's not an automatic review. And he has already burned his three timeouts, so he just sat there while they're playing on the big screens, KB, over and over again. Uh, who is uh, Kenny Pickett being short of the first down? And McVeigh, this is. Following it a little bit yesterday, this is something that's happened to him quite a bit. So Sean McVay, I love you, but to not have a timeout there inside, you know, outside two minutes, you couldn't challenge. You lost the game because of it. Ugh, ugh. Now can the booth not initiate a review there? I mean, isn't that part of why you have reviews in place? The booth sees a screw up by the officials on the field and they initiate it. I know that would have yeah. bailed. Mc- it would have bailed him out. McVay out, but I'm like, isn't that why you have yeah. that? All right, 9 o'clock hour coming up. We'll continue to get your reaction on things and react to a... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. A absolutely excruciating loss by the Colts yesterday, 39-38. All right, 9 o'clock hour, hanging out with you, broadcasting live from the drive, Hubler.com studios. It's the Wake Up Call, KB and Andy, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney. Our guy Mark Dykton is back from a week in Florida. Uh, he's back and he pulled into town. I guess it was nice on Sunday. You pulled in, it's 40 degrees, you know. Mm-hmm. Welcome, welcome back to reality. You get in Kick your car. And, on immediately. Yeah, it's 80 degrees and you get home and it's 40 degrees. Obviously reacting to everything happening over the weekend, including uh, and mostly the Colts. Heartbreaking loss, 39-38. We'll keep taking your phone calls. 239-1070, we'll do that. Uh, just before we dive back into the game, the officiating, the end of the first half by Shane Steichen, the turnovers by Gardner Minshew, the great play from Garrett Miles, the bad play from Deshaun Watson and P.J. Walker and everything else. Um, I just, just for a second, you saw the end of the New England game. You, you, you saw that. Your Buffalo loses. Uh, I, I did not see the end, no. Oh, okay, well. Did you see the Mac Jones gritty dance? You've not seen any of no. this? Oh, boy. Mark, have you seen this? Am uh, I... Yeah, I was on red zone, and I was like, what are we doing here? Okay, so he throws a touchdown to Gasecki, and I guess it's National Tight End Day, you know, and the Colts tight ends. Yeah, Jack Doyle mentioned that 9,000 <laughs> yeah, times yesterday. I was like, say, can, he, can he go back on the field? Can he put the jersey back on? But they So he threw a touchdown to Gasecki, okay, that wins the game. It looked like the Patriots were going to blow the game, which would have also been funny, but this was kind of a big game. You know, low-key, uh, you know, Buffalo especially needed to win the game. So, Gasecki gets it and Mac Jones runs up to him doing um, doing like... Here, here. I'm, I'm trying to show you. See if you can see that. Uh, hang on, hang on. Oh, there, I thought you were going to do he's, it. You see that, like, he's doing like a, like a bad gritty or he's pointing to the ground like the guy's too small. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you stink. I'm, like, I'm just thinking of Mac Jones. Like, you're not very good. Like, you're going to be... You sound like someone that had the bills. No, you're going to be... I don't care. I didn't care who won that game. Didn't have money on that game. Didn't have an eliminator pick on that game. I'm just like Mac Jones. You realize that you're at the very end. You're ruining Bill Belichick's win loss percentage at the end. Like you realize that you're like the turd at the end of Belichick's career. Anyway, you get back the to Miles Garrett. At the end of is, is he not? Mac Jones is not. What a nerd running up there doing the gritty. The Colts didn't celebrate National Tight End Day very well. <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, two targets, one catch, <laughs> Minus negative six yards. six yards for Colts tight ends. Yesterday. I mean, I think you can hear it in, in kind of Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi's emotion there and, and the wave of emotions. Uh, Andy, first game the NFL has had in four years with eight lead changes. Um, I thought I saw the first NFL game in league history to have three touchdowns of 50 yards or longer and three field goals of 50 yards or longer. Again, this is not what I thought would happen <laughs> at all. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be back and forth but low scoring. Right. It was back and forth and bunch of punts. Easily the most entertaining game of week 7 in the NFL and it's just such an excruciating loss really for two main reasons. One is think about how the last 7 days has transpired. 
another nail in the divisional coffin and losing in Jacksonville. And then the Jacks come back and win Thursday night, kind of adding to it. You lose Anthony Richardson officially for the year. Grover Stewart's out a month and a half. Just an awful news cycle week. Then you get back in your own building. And the other side of it that is so excruciating is you lose to the team right above you in the AFC standings. He's got bad quarterback play. I know it's mid-October, mid to late October, so it's hard to maybe focus too, too much on the standings. But, Andy, we talked about these four games coming up. Cleveland, New Orleans, Carolina, New England before the bye week. Great opportunity to go 3-1 and one in these four, if not maybe even 4-0. Oh. But the one that mattered the most out of these four was the one yesterday because Cleveland, again, right above you. And they play in a division, Andy, where everybody beats each other up. So you know at the end of the year, they're going to lose games. They're not going to be right. there at 12, 13 wins. And that was your chance to get a head-to-head tiebreaker on a team, again, right above you in the standings. And that's where in the last seven days, you've had a kick in the you-know-what to your divisional hopes and to your wild-card hopes as well. Again, it's not the final nail in any coffin. That doesn't happen in October, especially when you're 3-4. and But these are losses you're going to look back on and think, man, if that would have gone the other way. There is a terrific chance, Andy, we get to December 23rd. We're going to sit here and say, can you imagine if they had that Cleveland game? Yeah, the Cleveland game, even getting behind, even though they came back and then in the four, and then in the overtime losing to the Rams. Right, start, but Cleveland matters yeah, more but, but because Cleveland, it's AFC 100, 100%, and they're right next to you 100%, in the stands. Cleveland, Cleveland mattered uh, a ton. You know, for me, we've been through all the things. Uh, you know, for me, my main thing was, let, even though it was a high-scoring affair, even though it was a close affair, even though it was a crazy affair, it doesn't mean you can forget the mistakes that happened earlier in the game, right? Like, we went through a lot of this with the Rams. Because of the Rams game, got close. It went to overtime. You had a chance to win and everything like that. It's like, well, we don't forget that you got down 23 to nothing in that game. That's how I feel about this game uh, and just the mistakes that were made at the end of the half. I mean, there is no doubt about it. Shane Steichen's kicking himself. Shane Steichen, for as brilliant as a game plan, for as brilliant at times as his offense was, it was a mess. It was was an absolute mess at the end of the half and he cost his team 10 points and what kills me and a lot of this is on a guy like Miles Garrett who is fantastic but Cleveland didn't have to work offensively for some of their points you get a strip sack in the end zone um, you know and, and that turns into something you have you have you know Gardner Minshew and the and the pass you give them extra time at the half so they only have to go 20-30 yards to get a field goal when you threw the interception you essentially set them up for an easy field goal. I mean, these are ones where they can go four, you know, three plays, no yards, kick a field goal, and I know it's still a 50-some-odd yard field goal, and Hopkins has been really good this season. I mean, back-to-back weeks, he may win uh, special teams player of the week in the NFL, but there were just so many times where it's like, even if you threw a pick in your own end zone, you're like, well, they have to go 80 yards, or they return it to the 10. You know, they got to go 90 yards, and that wasn't the case either. So, and then, then you throw on top of it, and we... I feel like because it was a close game and because we respect the hell out of Miles Garrett and because Shane Steichen is at fault for some of this, I mean, you're not going to win games if Minshew continues to do this. And now this is two games in a row, seven turnovers. The last two games, KB, you put in your article on the website, 37 points off of those turnovers. It just, and listen, I know Garrett's great. Uh, I, I know Denzel Ward makes a fantastic play cutting in front of Michael Pittman. But in the end, it's seven turnovers for Gardner Minshew. And as well as he has played at times, as well as that offense has been at 
at times. Nobody in the NFL can afford to turn the football over that much. And it's just it's just a really frustrating win. You led late. You had a chance to win. You had a chance for your defense to not allow an 80-yard drive at the end of the game to get a touchdown. And you did. And it just caps a week off with the Jacksonville loss and then Jacksonville on Thursday. Like you mentioned, KB, coming back and winning the AR News, the Grover Stewart News, uh, to go in there on Mark Dykton's National Tight End Day uh, while Jack Doyle's in the building and lose. Uh, it's just a kick in the gut. It is. And by the way, I, here's what I would almost disagree with you on. I think you absolutely, if you're a team like the Colts, are looking at uh, at the rankings, aren't you? Yeah, All the time. I, 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 guess, I, I, mean, I guess maybe fans don't focus yeah, on may, them. Maybe fans don't, but I mean, the, much, the, yeah. last, the last two have been massive with the right. AFC South. And then, I mean, Cleveland is just the t- kind of team, you know, Cleveland, um, perhaps Cincinnati, the Jets, the Texans who you beat. I would. Well, the Raiders could have been that, but you know, I mean, yeah, let, I mean let's be honest with the Raiders. Next, I mean, there's, you know, come on. Three of your next four against NFC opponents, and then the one that's not is New England, who is still a bottom team in the AFC. So if you just look at playoff implications for your next four, this is the one. That, I mean, this is the one that stood above the rest upcoming here. You know, I. I walk out of yesterday thinking that's one of the wilder Colts games I've seen in years, and. There are signs, Andy, where I'm like, man, that is equally as encouraging as it is frustrating. I know. I the know. encouragement is what you did to score 38 points, what you did to put up 450 total yards against that defense. If you just got out of your own way, you moved it at will against them. You had great balance. You struck on some big plays. JT looked good. John Taylor looked like his old self. You know, Michael Pittman, a huge run and catch. Uh, you know, the pre-snap motion, a little bit of tempo. I thought Shane Sykin did a wonderful job with that offensive play caller hat on yesterday. The frustrating moments are you felt the loss of Grover Stewart, and that's not going away anytime soon. And if you look at the guys that replaced him, they did absolutely nothing, and one of them also got hurt. The one that actually did maybe somewhat a little, he's the one that got hurt late in the game in Eric Johnson. Um you lose Juju Brents, we'll see for how long. I mean, that is a huge bummer, not only in the short term, but potentially the long term as you think about his development. And you know, now it looks like one of those situations where it'd be nice to have a Darius Rush mm-hmm. to turn to and not have to go back to Daryl Baker Jr. Um, Never even talked about that last week. Who did he get picked up by? Was uh, it the Steelers? Right? Yeah. Was it the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah. And, and then, again, I, I go back to that late first half game management. The NFL, these games are so close. You watch them all. I, I don't get a chance to watch... Uh, red zone very often, but I was dropping, um, our niece came over and hung out with Rosie and Max during the game yesterday, so when I got home, uh, it was, you know, whatever, close to that 7 o'clock hour, so I went over to drop my niece off, and my brother-in-law was watching the, the, the red zone, and I'm like, Man, this is nuts. Is this what it is always like? <laughs> well, you got to turn it on in the press box. Well, <laughs> D- can you not bring it up on the old computer or iPad? In but the, the end of the game, well, I, yeah. I feel like are where you really, really feel it. And that those four, that four o'clock window, like all four games, were oh, really, yeah. really close there late. It's called the witching hour. And I'm like, this is what the NFL is all about. These games are so defined by one possession, one call, this or that, this play, that play, and that's why I thought the game manager had to strike and wears. That sequence to end the first half was absolutely awful by him and really out of character based off what we've seen through his first now seven games. Through the first six, I think he's handled those management situations really really well. So I don't know how alarming it is moving forward, but for yesterday, 
it was a massive, massive deal in costing your team anywhere, I would say, from 3 to 10 points. I lean more towards 10 points. Uh, a, a huge sequence there to end the first half, which contributed to Cleveland getting 10 and that obviously impacting the rest of the game. No, there's no way you can look at that and, and not think that 10 points were given up there. In fact, uh, Adam Archuleta, who was, on the, who was on the call, is like, you know, except for three plays, the Colts have had a, good, have had a great first half. <laughs> and they're like, right when he said that, I think they got a false start and things started to fall apart. I'm like, yeah, except for the three plays where there was a strip sack touchdown, a blocked field goal, and whatever the hell else uh, happened. Mark, can you play clip one? Though? Shane Steichen on the late half miscues. Here's what he had to say post game. Right there, uh, had faith in Matt uh, to kick that long field goal there. Obviously, Miles Garrett jumped over, made a hell of a play, uh, backed up. Uh, that's on me. Uh, tried to help, you know, and he broke a double team and made a play. So I got to be better in both situations. And again, Andy, I don't have as much of an issue with the 60 yard attempt there. I, you know, obviously, hindsight is super 2020. Matt Gay has shown that he can kick it that far. To me, it's when you are backed up on your own goal line, a second and 15 after you had just gotten sacked on the previous play. And Cleveland was starting to do the timeout game. And so you know they wanted the ball back. And at that point, Cleveland's offense was not moving it at all. So you, I think, had to look at it and say, all right, swallow your pride a little bit here. Don't call the game strictly as an offensive coordinator. Call it also as a head coach. And that's when the head coach, that's where John Harbaugh gets on the set in Baltimore and says, hey, um, I know you want to try and get a first down here. I'm overruling you. Let's call some clock-eating plays here. Let's burn some clock, make them use their timeouts, and let's trust our defense to stop a third-string quarterback. And instead, you expose your O-line in the end zone. That's risking a penalty. That's risking an incompletion. That's risking a turnover. What happened? The worst one. The turnover happened. There's a strip sack. Boom, there's seven. And then on the next drive, on a third and 13, with Cleveland not having any timeouts. Yeah, that one, this one killed me. You could easily run 40 seconds off yeah, the clock. That, you That's the bad one. Have a screenplay gets blown up. You throw it in the ground. I mean, at that point, the best play, Andy, would have been Gardner Minshew just going yeah. fetal position and taking a sack. It's uh, elementary football. To that, be honest with you. But again, I don't, you know, when you have backups in the game, when you have a rookie right tackle in the game, when you have an experience, it's your job as a coach not to put those guys into situations that can get worse really, really quick. And Miles Garrett and that defensive front can create that havoc. And that's where I thought if you just simply ate it, you got the ball to start the third quarter, you've got a lead. It's a one-score game. You don't need to do anything heroic in that situation. Um, disappointing from Shane Steichen. And again, that's where it's it's two ends of the spectrum with him. He was so good offensively, but in that moment, Got to be better. Yeah, the the one where they spiked it on third down, backed up, that one bothered me, KB, probably more than anything else. I can say, okay, so Garrett, it, yes, when he gets the strip sack, was there a lot that went into that that was wrong? Uh, was some of, you know, some of the game flow stuff didn't make sense? But I also look at it and say, okay, you have a starting lineman and you have a tight end over there to, to protect against Miles Garrett. I can understand why 
Steichenthal, that's going to be good enough for me to be able to operate the offense. I got to trust in kind of my scheme. I got to trust in Gardner Minshew and everything else. But I, my biggest problem is when when you're backed up and you and they are out of timeouts and you give them a freebie and you don't even get a play. I mean, you get nothing. It's a jailbreak. They have three, four guys walking in and Minshew immediately. I mean, the ball wasn't in his hands a second. Was it, KB? I and mean, he what, ditches What it. is happening there? It is a third and 13 screen. If it goes well, you get nine yards and still punt and, the and, ball and away. You, and you still punt. But at least, yeah, at least there you're running clock. Like, to me, I think even good offenses pack it away there and do something, you know, even safer. He may think that that little slip screen pass is a safe pass. I, I just, the, the, way that, yeah. the way that that defensive line was manhandling your offensive line in that first first half, there was nothing safe. The only safe thing there is to put Jonathan Taylor in the game, put Zach Moss in the game, and run for two and a half yards. Waste the 40 seconds with the punt. You know, you could still use a timeout there if you wanted to kind of get it down to one second, reset things, but you're going to waste, what, 50 seconds? And you're going to put them to where Cleveland might have just went into the halftime. Cleveland may have just went, if you get a good punt off there, and what, they got the ball at the 30-yard line, something like that, and there's... And there's, oh, I, I don't know, 30 seconds to go. Maybe you have to guard one play. Right, you, ta- right. you tackle yeah. someone. One ball in, to Amari yeah, Cooper, yeah, boom. You, you boom. It's a, it's a seven-yard pass to Peoples-Jones. You tackle him inbounds. The clock's going. And you know what Cleveland probably does? Hey, we'll live to fight another yes. day. Uh, we, we've kind of, you know, they would have had the lead at halftime anyway. We'll live to fight another day and play our defense in the second half. And you just... You just gifted them points where where they didn't have to do anything offensively but kick 50-yard field goals. Uh, I think David wanted to get back into the penalty questions uh, from yesterday. I know David's been hanging in there quite a while. David, thanks for uh, being patient with us. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, not so much about um, those penalties at the end. I'm just talking penalties overall. Uh, after the game yesterday, obviously frustrated, but I thought, man, we've had a lot of penalties. So I looked it up and after after yesterday, we're tied for we're in the upper quartile oh. of the penalties in the league right now, tied for really? seventh. That's rare here, Andy. Sorry, your <laughs> Giants are top of the league, but oh, they're terrible. Uh, they're absolute fourteen seven. What a toilet bowl of a game. Ron Rivera brought in. Remember, Eric Bieniemy had to be hired by every organization of football. He would have zero <laughs> points if not for being gifted a touchdown. So say that again, David. Where are they at league wide? Um. Tied for seventh, fifty-three gotcha. penalties. Yeah, interesting. Thirteen the last two games, I think. Eight penalties, yeah, almost eight penalties a game. And you know, not not so much yesterday, but previous games, it's been some of the big money guys. You know, Quentin Nelson's three penalties this year, twelve total between Fries, Nelson, and um, no, can't remember the other guy, but twelve between three guys on the offensive line is not good. Mm. No, um, yeah, that's an uh, interesting point. Um, yeah, and you know, Buckner had uh, roughing the passer yesterday. He he needs to know better. That was close. He'd already thrown the ball. You can't put yourself in that. Yeah, situation. they're gonna they're gonna call that every time in today's NFL. If, Absolutely. If I'm looking at David, NFL, thank you for if, the <laughs> for the call. By the way, I, I think something worth pointing out too on those sure. on those penalties, Andy. It's not like you've had the one game where you've had twelve. And that just kind of skews the numbers. Uh, these have been the penalty numbers uh, in each of the games this season. Four, eight, six, eight, yeah. eight, six, and then eight yesterday. That's so consistent. it's been pretty consistent. Yesterday, for what it's worth, 
you had 47 yards more in penalty yardage than the Browns did. If this website is right, I'm looking at NFLpenalties.com, which, by the way, who's the sorry SOB that's running that that URL? Oh, NFLpenalties.com. The Colts are second in the NFL in pre-snap penalties. They have 23. Worse, the Carolina Panthers and Frank Reich, who have played one less game, they have 25. Wow, this is interesting. David's got me down a bit of a rabbit hole now. Um, Through seven games, they are now minus 98 in penalty yardage (laughs) compared to their opponent. That has led to eight more first downs for their opponent than the Colts. And I, I know yesterday, obviously, you had a pretty explosive showing offensively. But for the most part, you have not been that team. You don't have enough firepower to survive that. I mean, you don't... I, flat out. You, you just don't have enough firepower to survive being the heavily penalized team week in and week Listen, out. Listen, this is what kills me is... I feel like with the Colts are so much good, and then we we can immediately go back to the bad, right? Like Steichen, he was so bad at the end of the first half, but he was uh, the game plan and the offense and everything and the way they attacked the Browns was so good. Minshew is the same way. Like Minshew had a lot of good. He's he doing the shimmy in the end zone, but he also the last two games has seven turnovers, and he's not you know instilling confidence. He's going to take care of the ball the the rest of the way. I guess that that's that's just how I feel with this team with like penalties and everything else. Like there's. Been, there's been a lot of good, but they don't also, they're not doing the small things. Does that make sense? Blink-182 said all the small things. Mark Dyke yeah, played one song. of their small songs uh-huh. earlier. But like, don't you feel that way? Like some of the little things that you need to do right. when you don't have a great team, they don't, they don't do them. They have penalties, they have mismanagement of the clock, and they turn the ball over. And it's like, if you did those things just a little bit less, you might have two more wins on the season. Uh, Nate Atkins posted this um, late, or I guess it would have been earlier this morning. Uh, Michael Pittman after the game, uh, just two targets for Pittman. Pittman quote here, they just didn't target me today for whatever reason. Maybe I'm not a big part of the offense. When I do get the ball, I feel like I always do something with it. Just know that I'm viable to break off a big one in any situation versus any team. I'm just trying to show the coaches that I'm out there Two. Yeah, I don't uh, like. I don't Michael like. Michael Pittman have a deserved gripe. No, over just two targets. No, no, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, okay. In that game, excuse me, five targets for Pittman. Yeah, two, the, two the, catches. He had twenty-one it, targets the previous two games. He's had 11, 12, 11, 5, 7, 14, and against the Browns, he had five. I mean, absolutely not. Listen, I like Michael Pittman. I didn't know he said that. That's the worst thing coming from Sunday other than the loss. Yeah, my my initial reaction, that's very out of Pittman character. I can't recall really any time throughout his career he has said something along those lines. Andy, um, He's having a career year. Well, and it's one thing, I think, to bitch and moan about targets if your offense goes out there and scores 10. They scored 38. Yeah, I, I don't. That one doesn't uh, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, with, no, with, he and, and this is coming from a from a big Pittman backer. Yeah, I, I, I I've been a Pittman guy. You have. Um, I think this wideout group would miss him uh, majorly, and you'd be scrambling for Anthony Richardson help with a bunch of guys that I wouldn't sleep well at night thinking about. 
Uh, but that is that is pretty stunning from him. Yeah, it is, and I mean, huge part of the and offense. Of it, it, I mean, it's because it's out of character. It's, it's not a guy part. that says this week in and week out. No, you know, some wideouts around the league. It's on a to thing. Yeah, uh, that's a musty reference. I don't know who would be the diva wide receiver that would say it now. I feel like do we have a good diva? I mean, Diggs was well, Diggs maybe last year the diva wide receiver a little bit. And, and you know, some guys like the Devonte Adams comments from last week, Andy. Like Devonte Adams has earned the reputation to say that, and I thought Adams said it in a very like. I don't know if politically correct is the right phrase to use, but like he basically said, I feel like this offense is at its best when they're targeting me a lot. Therefore, I think we are not very good right now because they're not targeting me enough. That That's like yeah. a really polite way to say, give me the damn ball. But Adams is right. I don't know if Pittman has earned that sort of reputation. Maybe it's a topic we can get into a little bit more. And, you know, Part of this is I do think Michael Pittman's a highly, highly competitive player. Sure, it's a heartbreaking loss. And he's pretty pissed right off, yeah. right after that loss. I, I'd be curious if 24 hours later he would say the same thing. And again, when you score 38 points, frankly, I don't know if I have time for that. Uh, let, let me ask you this. Uh, well, also, it looks bad because the last couple weeks Josh Downs has had a touchdown and he's looked uh, pretty damn good. I, I mean, come on. I, I guess let me go back. I'm trying to see. Do, did you? We haven't talked about this play it was 33-31. I think they had... I'm trying to remember exactly. The the one where Pittman didn't hang on to the ball when it was going when he was going into the end zone. Did you blame him at all on that one where he wasn't able to hang on to oh, it? Oh, it was just it. the hair behind him. See, yeah, I, I, that, that, that's I did, one but that, that like, was a catchable ball. Yeah, that, that, that's one that I'm like, that's why Pittman is probably ranked whatever, 16th in the NFL in terms of wideouts and not 8th. You know, some guys do bring that in, and those guys are unquestionably Pro Bowl elite level wideouts. Uh, now, other guys don't bounce off, have two DBs bounce off them and go seventy five yards the other way for a touchdown in a big time moment. So, yeah, I want to chalk that up to heartbreaking loss. They've had a couple of them. The last week has been difficult. Uh, the last couple, you know, losses have been difficult, and they had to feel like how many times you had to feel like. I mean, when EJ Speed. Let's go right to the end of the game. When EJ Speed hits the arm of PJ Walker and and there's like 10 seconds there where the refs are trying to figure out what they're going to do, which is probably more like three or four seconds, there's the jubilation inside of Lucas Oil. you got to imagine at that point you've won the game, have you not? Only to find out after a couple calls later that you lose the game and now you're three and four, you're under 500. And, and one thing we'll talk about as we go, I, I mean, I just... New Orleans, <laughs> I mean, this game on Sunday is a big one. Uh, I mean, just to, you gotta you gotta get some feel good in, well, into you, this you, locker room. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to string some together too. It's not just Sunday. I mean, you hate to go a little bit too big picture. You're gonna have to string some together. Uh, this one, lastly, from Anthony here on the uh, he goes, "Is it unexpected from Pittman? Uh, Taylor throws a tantrum and gets paid. Well, I, why why wouldn't Pittman?" Um, Again, it's unexpected in the sense of we haven't seen Michael Pittman be demonstrative through the media like that in his career. And I will say this, and again, this is as someone that thinks Michael Pittman should be re-signed, it is laughable to mm-hmm. think that Michael Pittman has the same resume Jonathan Taylor has. When Devontae Adams goes off like that, Devontae Adams' resume looks pretty darn good. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame player. Michael Pittman does not have that resume. And, you know, Andy, you just mentioned the target number he's had. It's one thing to... Speak out when you score ten points. When you score thirty-eight, no. Yeah, it was also one thing when when you have when there's some data that can back up what you're saying. That's kind of the Devontae Adams thing. There's no data right. the that Raiders backs up were anything not good offensively. with Pittman. I mean, Pittman is probably going to have. 
the a career year going into a contract situation in the offseason. Uh, before we get to a check down, let's get Richard. He's been hanging on. Then we'll get to a check down. Uh, we still got to do, what is it, our headlines coming up here in the final 25 minutes or so. Richard, fire away here on the fan on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, real quick question. Uh, after that Saints playoff uh, loss uh, a few years ago, can coaches challenge pass interference call? No. No. Um, I, they had that in at they tried that point, but I think I was just a trial, and it was not. It was a disaster. Yeah, it was not. I got you. I got you. I, I was just wondering. Thanks yeah, a lot. Richard, thank you. Again, I thought on the play, the pass interference call in the first and goal, Andy and I both have an issue on that call. That, to me, is your entire officiating crew needs to come together. Eight of them need to come together and say, guys, did you see where the ball landed? It literally almost hit blue. It almost went <laughs> in the tunnel. Security guards almost caught it. That was uncatchable, and that's why the flag needs to be picked up. The illegal contact, I think it's a debatable penalty. I probably side towards it is a penalty because Daryl Baker is beat on the double move, sticks out the left arm, and that initiates all the contact from there. Uh, but the pass interference, the next play, uh, that one should have been picked up in my opinion. That coach's challenge situation was one of those things where coaches challenged it and then it never got overturned. Regardless of how egregious it was, they never turned it over. It's so it's so true. It was a waste. Like after the first eight games, they were like, Wait, why are we even challenging yeah. this? There's never evidence to overturn. I think in all, here's how great the NFL is in all of sports. Like, if you're a big soccer fan, when they go to VAR uh, and they go to, like, you know, offsides, the guys offsides by a fraction of a, like, by Is it VAR? I always thought it was just VAR. Is it VAR or is it VAR? Video assisted replay. It's VAR. It's it's either one. How dare you go at my soccer at knowledge? How dare you? But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's annoying. Like, does any goal count? The the pass interference, holding, illegal contact, uh, battling between a wide receiver and, uh, and, and, a, and a defensive back, a safety, whatever it may be, is just so bad. It's just so weak. And again, the Colts will have games. It could even happen Sunday against New Orleans where you'll benefit from it. But that's how great the NFL is, that it has probably... Just the weakest, crappiest rule that guys are trying to figure out on the fly when everything's happening so damn fast, and yet we all just love it and we all just move on, and it absolutely helped cost the game to the Colts. Uh, let's back. morning check down it. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, we'll go quickly here. Other scores in the NFL. Patriots over the Bills, 29-25. That was a big one. Ravens, 38-6 over the Lions. That was surprising, no doubt. Uh, The Chiefs, 31-17 over the Chargers. Eagles, 31-17 as well over the Dolphins. And Week 7 of the NFL concludes tonight. Niners at Vikings at 8.50. Speaking of tonight, Game 7 on our airwaves. That'll be the AL. CS, it has been a road team winning in each of the first six games. Rangers back in Houston for this game seven. It'll be Max Scherzer for the Rangers, Christian Javier, the expected starter for the Astros. On paper, that's a pretty juicy pitching matchup. I know Scherzer has not been his usual self, though, um, at all. So uh, it'll be a great one. By all accounts, coming up tonight, our coverage will begin at 7.30. At 5.07, it's first pitch from Philly. That is the NLCS with the Philadelphia Phillies up 3-2 as they try for the clinch against the Diamondbacks.
Yeah, quickly in Bloomington, Rutgers all over the Hoosiers, 31-14. It was Indiana's homecoming, so that's how that goes. Again, what, 39 yards passing for the uh, for Rutgers. Again, they win 31-14. to Indiana now on the road this weekend against Penn State. Penn State favored by 31. I thought you were going to lead in with the it was homecoming. That's why McKenzie and Baco got arrested. Oh, man. He would not leave a Taco Bell. And uh, apparently they bust out the window, did the police, and yank him out of there. So he was driving? Is that correct? I, it, it sure sounded like he was driving. I mean, there was no... Because they used a baton to get the passenger window or yeah. uh, open up I mean, that all, side. All of the it, reports there were no the DUI or underage drinking or anything like that that's come out. Just yeah, a criminal trespass, resisting law enforcement, couple Class A misdemeanors for the IU five star freshman. Uh, the quote here: When officers approached the vehicle to tell him he was under arrest and he needed to get out, and Baco refused to leave the car. According to the report, police said officials used a baton to break the passenger Ooh. side window to unlock the door. Officials then forcibly removed him. It's a big boy to move, six eight, yes. two hundred pounds. Uh, from the vehicle, he was placed in handcuffs, taken to the Monroe County Jail, Ooh. released on bail a couple of hours later. Uh, that all from the Indianapolis Star with the arrest of McKenzie Mbako. Late night Taco Bell rules, though. Oh, I do not <laughs> doubt the decision whatsoever. Unfortunately, I have been in the situation where you show up and it's closed. It's a rough one, man. And it's a you know, and that's it's why not you got, good. That's why you have frozen pizzas. <laughs> Bagel bites. pizza rolls. <laughs> yes. Is there ramen? Is there himself? Easy Mac? Yeah, was he by himself? I don't know. There's a bunch of things I need to figure out with this story. Um, all right, on the other side, we'll give out our fan tweets of the game and a little bit of a Pacers event coming up tonight. We'll chat about that as well. All right, we got to be kind of quick here. We're doing our... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Our uh, headlines, but you know I have these other stories. I just I just got to bring it up, okay? I'm just going to bring it up, and then we can just let it die if we want to. Did you see the uh, secret handshake? Taylor Swift, Brittany Mahomes. It's been all over. Yeah, Did you see this? I, I was doing some writing during this Sunday night telecast, <laughs> but I, I, I heard it behind me. I was about to say, if you look at the television at any point over your left shoulder right now, KB, they've only showed it 932 times. Now, is, did you ever have a secret handshake with a buddy? I, I, I'm sure. I did, yeah. I mean, I was a loser. At, well, I probably still am a loser. I'm just done with Bernie Mahomes. Oh, we and can I like Patrick on. Mahomes. Oh, he was great. He was fantastic. I like 40 fantasy points. So thank you to the Mahomes family. Chiefs yes. look pretty good since that opening yeah, game. Yeah, them and, the, them and the Eagles seem to be coming into form as the weather turns. Interesting how that happens. Uh, let's get to our fan headlines from yesterday. I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Ripped from the headlines of the newspaper. Oh, we'll do it live! F*** it. Post-game headlines. F***ing thing sucks! As you would expect, a lot of ref-centric reaction. You know, Mark Dykton sends off this tweet, what, right at the final gun, pretty mm-hmm. much, Mark? Pretty much, yeah. And so, you know, at that point, uh, I would say blood pressure was high among <laughs> Colts Nation in regards to the officiating. So, I'll lead off here with this one from from Tony, and again, I think there's some form of this from a lot of people. 
Browns gift ref games <laughs> game ball. Yeah, Nick has refs give Colts brown eye. How about that oh, one? That's well <laughs> easy now. Black eye, brown eye, close enough. That, that's something else, I think. And <laughs> welcome back, circle. Mark. Is it? Is it? I, I don't know. That Did I get so. fooled by the internet there? I was taking a punch to the uh, eye. Indiana Knights uniforms are cursed. I heard a lot of mixed reactions to those yeah, things I, making I, their debut. I love the helmets. Maybe not the jersey itself. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, it looks like care. Duke. I, I really like the helmets. Well, Duke was a top 25 team before their loss. Uh, this one from Steve Mark, which kind of plays off again. It was called the Indiana Knights look, which, again, the afternoon game doesn't really ring true. Uh, but Steve says, Indiana Nightmare with a hyphen of a finish. That was a nightmare finish. A guy by the name of Milk, uh, since I've already potentially been fooled, let's just go down this road. Browns get the happy ending. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering why Deshaun Watson was wearing that big coat on the sideline. we got no Cleveland steamer references or anything like that. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, You guys will love this. Hang on. You guys would just love this. So when I'm looking through these tweets, I keep getting the same ad over and over. You know, Twitter puts up the ad. No, the the, the ad that I'm getting is 20 Hells Angels. Are your Indies not happy? Head here. (laughs) 20 Hells Angels requirements women fear the most. Why is that on my timeline? Yeah, that's why that's, is that an ad? That's what? I, it's a what, bit nerve wracking. Yeah, what about me? Is anything Hell's Angels? Deshaun Watson <laughs> leaving the game yesterday, and the Browns then keeping him out of the game was an absolute loss for the Colts. They wanted Deshaun Watson to stay in the game. He was awful. He was bad, man. That first pass was. I can't remember who it was to. I need to bring up the play-by-play. I just remember being at the feet just of the way guy. Behind. It was like a little yeah. dunk to the running back, yeah. right? It was just like an easy little uh, completion to get you feeling good right. about your first game back in that a couple weeks. That was Kevin Stefanski saying, we're worried about his shoulder. Let's it get really him a was. layup. It was to Ford, too. It was to uh, Ford before he busted the big play. But yeah, it was first and ten. A little back, a little, little scat back out of the uh, out of the backfield. You know, get, get four or five yards. Feel good about first down. Stay ahead of the chains. Again, Cleveland, they... They have had in their media, or one of their writers for the Athletic, Jason Lloyd, wrote, they need to go out and get Jacoby Brissett. Indiana nightmarish of a finish. Yeah, we had a lot of play on words <laughs> with that. Again, a wild, wild one yesterday. For those that missed it earlier, eight lead changes. That is the most in an NFL game in four years. Um, just the big plays from it. I mean, that's what... I mean, when Jerome Ford ripped off that 69-yarder on the third play of the game, Andy, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this over's going to hit by the end of the first quarter. And it hit by the two-minute warning of the first half. Um one of the crazier Colts games I've ever seen. It's just funny. Like to me, I was laughing when they hit the big play, and then Minshew just goes right down the field. I mean, they you know the free play. It's Josh, yeah, Josh Downs, Downs on the free play. It's everything else, and it's you know it's fourteen or it's seven seven. And I'm just laughing because I believe in this as much as we have fun and we talk about it. Pre pre analysis to everything can mean at times just so very little, and that was just one of those games on Sunday that that's exactly what happened, and that. Was was funny to me. I said puberty game all week, more like the <laughs> Medicare game yeah. all week. Yeah. First one to insert your number here. I do think Josh Downs, to your point, Andy, about the touchdown that he had on that opening drive. That effort he had on the first third down of the game, just kind of little plays like yeah. that from Downs that after the catch, there's something there. and uh, An absolute hit by Chris Boward with that draft pick from North Carolina. All right, on the other side, the Pacers got a pretty cool thing coming up today, tonight, uh, leading into Wednesday's regular season opener at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. We'll explain more next. 
All right, last segment. I think Mark means that because he's back in studio. Good to have him as well. KB and Andy, uh, well, the podcast of directly following the show and everything else. Appreciate you reacting with us. A lot of Colts conversation this morning. What what the, uh, you know. Rejoiner, because Pacers season starting up. I was going to say, yeah. Re- reunited with the Pacers. Yeah. Was it the Pacers well. or was it you? I was just thinking of seeing like, Mark. It could be a little bit of both. Ah, maybe a little bit of both. I was used to Sam Fritz in here for an entire week. We need some romance to end the show after what we've talked <laughs> yeah. about. Fitting you and I both wore We're black rom- today. We wore all black after today. After the excruciating nature. Black on black. Yesterday. <laughs> all right, let's head to the Payless Liquors hotline. Danny Lopez, you've heard him on with us uh, from the Pacers. And an absolutely great event coming up here all around Indianapolis uh, in a little bit as we get ready for Wednesday night, Pacers and Wizards opening night at GameBridge Fieldhouse. Danny, as always, great to chat, man. How are you? Good, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on. We are well. I know you've got a fun surprise for Pacers fans to announce right now. Yeah, this is always a a really fun one. We did this one last year, and we've done it for several years uh, prior to COVID and and have brought it back, and it's an important one. So we're going to be out later on at 4.30 at four different Kroger locations. We've got a great partner in in Kroger, and we're going to have the players out. We're going to have DJs out. We're going to have the mascots out. We're going to be handing out $50,000 in groceries and gas for fans all around the city, and we're really excited to get back. Gosh, tell me. So at four, so, so Danny, first of all, okay. good meeting you. So at four thirty is when it, the message goes out. Hey, all the guys are at these particular four locations. So that'll drop at three o'clock. Okay, it'll be all it'll be all over our socials. So so folks should should get on our social media handles, and all that information will be out there. But at three o'clock, that's when that information will go out, and then at four thirty uh, is when uh, is when the events themselves will start. Last year we had, even though it was cold, it's supposed to be nice tonight. It's supposed to be in the sixties and sunny, but last year it was cold and and sort of rainy, and even still we had just hundreds of people that turned out. Obviously, people are, are struggling, and, and this is just a, a, a way to, to sort of get back to the fans. And the players love it. They get to interact. They get to sign autographs. It's just a lot of fun for everybody. This is outstanding. That's Again, 3 o'clock today, Pacers social accounts head there for the exact locations. 4.30 things will start at Kroger's around town and 50000 wow. worth in groceries yeah, and gift cards. It's a big deal. That's a, It's a big number. I mean, I, I don't know. There's... there's um, you know, there's a real special relationship with with all of our all of our teams here. The Colts the same, and and of course the the eleven and the Indians. But we we really like to give back to fans. We want to connect with fans. We've got a great group of guys, great uh, chemistry between each other, and they really love the city. They love the community, uh, and they want to be able to engage with fans. So this is just a good chance, a fun way to be out there and uh, and engage with them. Again, uh, Danny Lopez, Vice President for External Affairs and Corporate Communications. He's with us here on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Danny, as we look ahead to Wednesday night, um, for fans that maybe have not been either inside Gamebridge Fieldhouse in a while or just around the area, it's a new-look feel, particularly outside, probably. Um, but what could fans that have maybe not been inside the building for a year or so, what could they uh, look at come Wednesday night for opening night? Well, we've been talking about it for a while, guys, but it's a state-of-the-art uh, arena inside a state-of-the-art field house. We preserved everything that people love uh, about the uh, about the field house on the outside, the exterior, everything that's just nostalgic, makes you nostalgic for 
or that hometown gym that you grew up playing in. But then inside you get there and it's just state-of-the-art technology, LEDs all over the place, check out free concessions, just all the stuff that people have come to expect from, from entertainment uh, here. And then, of course, outside Bicentennial Unity Plaza, just to the north of Gamebridge. There's not a day, guys, that I, I don't go out there or walk by there where there's not 10, 15 people playing basketball. Um, it's just such a cool spot. And, you know, opening night this year is special. We've got a, we've got a fun team. I'm not the basketball guy, so I won't go too far down that road, but it's a fun team. Uh, I think people are really excited. It's a group of guys that gets along. We might have a really special guest here with us coming in from out of town on Wednesday that we've not had for opening night in the past. Oh, nice. Look for that. I mean, I, I just think there's a lot of excitement around this team, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun group of guys to be around. Was that your Taylor Swift comment from earlier, Andy? Yeah, I was like, how much can we follow? How much can we follow up on that? I, I don't know how much. I, I don't want you to give away a secret. But any you know. tease? Is it Pacers related? Is it more of a national figure? It's- you, you'll, you'll have to wait and find out. But it's, it's going to be pretty cool to have to have him here uh, on on opening night. Uh, like I said, it's not something that that we've had in the past. I think it just speaks to how much buzz there is. And also, you know, we've got we've got All Star. We're a little over a hundred days away. We've got All Star here downtown, uh, and NBA All Star this year is going to be so cool. There's going to be so many things to do. They're just, you know, both basketball related and just other things, music and and the arts and food and all kinds of stuff going on downtown in February. So. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot going on around here. There's a lot of buzz, a lot of energy. Hopefully the fans feel it. Uh, this is the best time of year, and we, we love it. Danny, we've got about 30 seconds left before we get one more plug to what today's going to be about. Uh, any idea, ticket uh, season ticket member-wise, uh, an increase, or how are ticket sales leading into this year, as I think it's a pretty intriguing season? Yeah, I mean, they're good. Again, I, you know, I, I think everybody you talk to, and obviously it's anecdotal, but everybody you talk to um, is really pumped for the season. They, they look at these athletes. I think they're going to compete on both sides, of the, uh, both ends of the court. They're going to get up and down. Um, you got a lot of guys competing for, for spots and competing for time, which always is a good thing, right? I mean, it pushes everybody to be better. So I think there's a lot of excitement. We talked to a lot of fans, and they're, they're just ready to go, ready to get this thing started and, and get going with the season this year. All right, today, 3 o'clock, head to Pacers. There are various social media accounts there. They will let you know the Kroger locations. 4.30 activities will begin at some Kroger's around town. $50,000 worth wow. in groceries and gift cards. Some players will be there. Uh, you'll have a lot of great entertainment at those Kroger sites. Danny, as always, man, enjoy the conversation, and uh, thanks for sharing that with us today. All right. Take care, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Danny Lopez, right there, VP of External Affairs and Corporate Communications. Pretty cool thing the Pacers have done now for the last couple of years uh, ahead of opening night on Wednesday. And Rick Carlisle, Andy, scheduled to join us tomorrow at 8 a.m. Yeah, I enjoy our conversations, and I, I know we're up against it here. I didn't know he was a piano player. He is a pianist, and if I'm not mistaken i believe he also does a little piloting as well <laughs> rick carlisle that's is an, an interesting, interesting cat i was gonna say that's way more interesting than either of us he is an interesting <laughs> cat to say the least everybody thanks for tuning in beautiful monday enjoy it we'll talk to you tomorrow